Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, hailing from Kakana, Wisconsin, riding a CST Tires SSI decals traveling back Yamaha YFC 450R, four-time ATV Motocross National Champion, number 25. Cody Jensen. What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Welcome to episode 90 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, in stock and available for purchase today at shop.csttires.com. And this is our Red Bud review show featuring event winner Chad Weenan, podium finisher Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Casey Greek will join us to help break down all the action from legendary Red Bud. But this is so much more than just a race review show. Chad and I end up reminiscing about some of his fondest memories from the Suzuki era. Era, discussing some of the throwback clips that I've been posting on our social media channels. Jeffrey Rastrelli and I find ourselves discussing the hot button topic of the Team USA Quad Cross of Nations team, and his impassioned response is can't miss. And Casey and I recap how all the subplots played out at Red Bud and look ahead to the Loretta Lynn's finale that's just over a week away now. Honestly, this very well could be my favorite race review pod of the season, so let's dive right in. Before dropping the gate on another exciting race review podcast, shout out to all of our incredible partners. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, thanks to SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymower Financial Group, Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Integrative Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride Insurance programs, Binkies Forever ATC Museum, Blenzall Oil, the official oil choice of Digging Deep, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, Walsh Racecraft, and Manscaped to get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped's signature line, the Performance Package 4.0, includes the new Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer that I rely on to keep my beard on point, the best nose hair trimmer ever created and an array of goodies like deodorant boxer briefs a travel bag and more so check out manscaped i wish i would have sooner and get 20 percent off with free shipping by using code digging deep 20 at manscaped.com so rad that manscaped is investing in atv racing as a longtime partner of digging deep help us keep them in the fold and involved in atv racing by using our digging deep 20 code so they know you enjoy digging deep and all that we're about here support all these great companies that support us and for any products that fall through the cracks click that rocky mountain atv MC banner on our website to help us out. The dog days of the 2022 season are officially here, but we both know you still need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered, but before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By using our specific link, we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end, enabling you to help us out while purchasing the parts and gear you need Anyway, and did you know that you can buy OEM parts from Rocky Mountain ATVMC as well? Yep, shipped conveniently right to your door. So click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs. One new donor to shout out this week, Blake Hansen. Blake is a former racer, and he and his son spent the entire weekend at Red Bud, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Seeing them throughout the weekend just took me right back to when I was a little guy, and I was over the moon just to be at an ATV National 
seeing all of my heroes. So shout out to Blake and his son. Thanks for representing the Digging Deep brand and thanks so much for your additional support. And if you're interested in donating and hearing your name on the show, you can find the Patreon or buy me a coffee donation links on our website. Major thanks to all who have donated. You guys freaking rock. Now it's showtime. The 30 second board is up. It's sideways and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys, if you're an American motocross fan, the simple mention of this historic venue gets your blood pumping. And joining me to help break down all the action from Redbud, brought to you by Blender's Eyewear. Use discount code DiggingDeep20 at Blender'sEyewear.com. And we're going to actually gift this gentleman a pair of blenders of his choosing on behalf of Digging Deep from Impact Solutions. Say hello to Mr. Casey Greek. What's up, Casey? Hey, Cody. Happy to be here again. And that's awesome news because it, it's funny. I, I've always wore glasses. And I just switched on Tuesday to contacts. Did you? Um, I don't have them in right. Yeah, I don't have them in right this second. But so I haven't been all for the last three or four years. I haven't been able to wear normal sunglasses. I had to wear prescription sunglasses. So I was actually floating around on the Blenders Eyewear um, website last night because I knew we had a discount code through the Dig a Deep show. So I was actually checking it out. That's pretty funny. Nice. And none nice. of that was... That wasn't staged whatsoever. <laughs> like it just cracked me up and that just happened. It's funny because we've had this code for, uh, for like years now and I never really push it. Uh, they're kind of just a, an associate sponsor or whatever. And I uh, decided that we were going to start pushing it hard. Um, again, we don't get a ton out of it, but it's cool to have those mainstream sponsors as part of the podcast. Right. So that's cool. And, uh, yeah, we want to, uh, gift you a couple pairs of, of blenders there. So that'll be sweet. So how has the transition been from, from glasses to contacts? I remember like what that was like for me now it's second nature all these years later, but what's that been like? Dude, I, I struggle. Like I'm like the biggest wimp ever when it comes to my eyes or touching so, my eyes. So, so am I. getting yep. them in, getting them in and getting them out is rough, but Okay. Um, I mean, it's only been two days. I don't even, I haven't put them in yet this morning, but okay. yeah, it'll come. I, I think it it's will. just time. You it know, will. you just got to have it figured out for sure. Yeah. So it's funny because they used to be told, I'm assuming you're wearing the dailies, right? You have new contacts every day. No, um, because I struggle so bad, like talking with a girl, she's okay. like, you know, maybe, you know, with my insurance and stuff like to cover it, like I, I'm still not 100% committed that that's just the route I'm going to go. So I did the the monthly. Okay. But she's like, you're going to fill them a lot less with like the dailies because they're much thinner. But getting the dailies in versus the monthlies in is going to be a lot easier. So and so forth. So right now I'm at the monthlies. And okay. once I have them in, I'm good. Yeah. Then you don't even notice. Whatsoever. Yeah. It's like you get a, like a nice breeze that comes by and your eyes are open. You're like, whoa, I'm stuck. <laughs> and then you got to kind of get them worked in again. But yeah. other than that, yeah, I think it's good. Okay. So where I was going with that is when I first started wearing contacts years and years ago, I wore the monthlies and it's tough with us, with our lifestyle, because being in the dirt and, you know, stuff like that, like you get dirt in your eyes with a monthly contact, it messes up the edge a little bit. And then, you know, that contact is messed up at least, you know, 1% or 2% or whatever for the rest of the month. If you have, if you have those incidences over and over and over again, by the end of the month, your contacts stink. So what I will say is I disagree. The dailies go in and out so much easier, at least for me, Really, like they're thinner. So not only do you not feel it at all when it's in your eye, but when you get it close to your eye, 
thing sucks right in. And then to take them out, literally, I, all I have to do is touch my eye and the thing pops out. It's crazy. So my contact experience, and this has been 15 years now, but my contact experience has been so much better since I went to dailies years ago. Um, man, the, the monthlies were a nightmare compared to dailies. So if the monthlies continue to be like not the greatest experience. I know this is new, but, um, I would really try the dailies. I really would. I mean, it costs me a hundred dollars every 90 days for my contacts. So to, yeah, for, that's not for, terrible. And for the experience being as much better as it is, uh, I don't, I, it's honestly, it's so worth it. So yeah, a little, little insight. Yeah. There. Yeah. I, it, more than likely, I think that's what it's going to do, especially because of our lifestyle, being in the dirt and then mm-hmm. even like being in the water. She's like, oh, don't wear them at the beach, which I don't necessarily go to the beach a lot, but I fish a lot. And then we go like park at like an island and stuff and hang out. And I'm like, well, I'm not just like swimming around with my eyes open. Like, I ought to be fine. And she's like, yeah, you'll be OK. So definitely learning. I actually talked to Jay yesterday a little bit about it because he's tried contacts before. Yeah. He's, it always ends up going back to classes. But yeah, I don't know that I could. It, that's my biggest problem right now is the dirt mm-hmm. and i go through a pair of glasses like every two months because oh gosh they just get scratched <laughs> and they're so scratched up all the time and i'm like I, yeah and then oil you spray yourself in the face with oil building mm-hmm. chalks and cleaning them is a pain in the butt and then you're leaning over sweating doing something and you're dripping and yeah. so i'm just like oh, i'm over it yeah yeah for sure another thing and i think they tell you all those things at the beginning as a precautionary measure but i wear my contacts all day every day never take them out they like with the monthlies they would tell you you know give your eyes of x amount of you know hours a day without your contacts in i literally wear mine from four o'clock in the morning until the second i go to bed and it's no issue at all like it just feels like my eye and i've like had people say will you ever get you know the surgery or whatever and honestly my contact experience now is so good that I don't even know that I would make the jump to getting the surgery. So, um, yeah, I think that the, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel there, but I think the key (laughs) might be, might be the dailies. It really might be. Okay. Yeah. I'll try it. Cause I, I was already talking about calling them back and telling them to hold off on putting my order in because I was kind of contemplating going to like the dailies and then I'm not hundred percent sure that they didn't screw my prescription up a little bit. Sure. Like they kind of magnified it a little bit more than what my glasses prescription was. And I'm kind of been fighting it a little bit. So we'll see. I'm Got just it. trying to give it a couple of days. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're so much thinner, dude. They're, they're half as thin or whatever. You don't feel them in your eye. They go in better. They come out better. And yeah, like there is a little bit of a depth perception that like actually changes with, contacts versus glasses because you're used to glasses. So the glasses distort your depth perception just a little bit. And then the contacts make it like, right. So there is a little bit of an adjustment, but, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you'll have to say after the, after the dailies is a thing for you. So that'll be fun to track, but okay. So we'll talk about the racing now enough about contacts and <laughs> eyes and everything else. Um, so Casey, you're one of the big dogs at impact solutions, obviously team USA mechanic for Bryce Ford coming up in September, seemingly best friends with everybody at the racetrack. So did you get too busy to lock in your fantasy squad this week or, or what Casey, come on. Yeah. And then I literally remembered on the starting line for the first moto and I went in and it was already locked and I was like, crap, I need to go see Cody. 
and then I never got a chance to go over there. But yeah, I, I think it was Redbud last year that I dropped the ball. That's why I say we need a throwaway because at some right. point I'm going to drop the ball. And yeah, and, and I, I was like, <laughs> man, I should have went in beforehand and did it like before yeah. the week because I, I already knew what I would do. And I just, yeah, completely dropped the ball. And I was, I really meant to come over and see if there was a way I could slide that in. Oh, there. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I just never had a chance. I mean, it was just, it's red bud. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. and this honestly is one of the roughest red buds I feel that I've ever seen or witnessed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, yeah. I've had, a, I've had a number of people hit me up and say, hey, you know, I didn't have service. Hey, you know, something happened, blah, blah, blah. And as long as it's, you know, as long as they don't have the perfect team or, or especially <laughs> if it's at the beginning of the day, right? I, I, obviously I'm happy to help there. They spent their hard earned money to play the game. And, uh, we haven't had anybody that seemingly is cheating or anything like that. So yes, if you would have told me your team, like we could have easily, uh, overrode the system and got you in there. Um, but really Casey, that was really the only negative of the weekend because red bud week, kind of like you said, it's always truly special. It's crazy, obviously, but it's a special week every year, which brings me to our uh, next topic, our impact solutions, impact moment, where we highlight something good and positive happening in ATV motocross. Uh, what do you have for us this week, Casey? Um, I think it's really the community coming together to support the quad cross nations team. Really? You know, I can't remember the number and dang it. I, I helped with the school and did the deal on Thursday and, you know, the turnout was great for that. And so it's just awesome to see the community kind of slide together and support a whole cause. And, you know, and obviously I'm part of that cause and on the team. So it's a huge honor for me, as we've stated before, but it's really the people around us that's going to make this all possible for us to go over there and um, bring that trophy back to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the the schools are such a big part of that, but also, uh, you know, I'm sitting here wearing a Team USA shirt, right? Like my whole family bought the shirts. Like it's all those little things. It's the community. I was just writing a piece yesterday talking about how the Team USA, the coolest part of it is how it brings our community, our ATV racing community, and all of our top racers, it brings them all together. And we've talked about on these shows that that never used to be the case. It really brought Joel and Chad closer and it brought, you know, just brought the whole community together. And that togetherness is such a special thing because prior to Team USA years ago, five years ago or whatever it would have been, like we didn't really have that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's like it's all competition goes aside for our guys when we head over there. And and even before, I mean, to see Chad and Joel and Bryce and, you know, Cody Ford helped out a bunch, too, with the school. Yep. Like they're all up there teaching together. And you can see the it was really cool to see the different techniques that each guy uses. And, and it just, you know, but it's exactly what you said, like the T-shirts, the donations in general, all of it it all goes for one cause and they're the friendships that are made when you travel abroad like that. I've traveled with a lot of guys overseas, Mexico, Canada, and guys that I may not even have known that we have like lifelong stories that we'll always be able to tell with each other. So, um, you know, I think it's a, a huge thank you to all the people that are helping. And, you know, if you haven't helped or if you have a way to please do, because it's not cheap to go over there. No, no. They were talking about how, 
expensive that container was this year, twice as expensive or more as years past. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. So it's that much more of a financial burden. So credit to everybody that has helped and, um, and thank you to everybody that's going to help here in the future, of course. And yeah, for, so for my impact solutions, impact moment, I kind of got two of them. Uh, we talk about that. We don't like this to be super personal, but I can't help this week. It was obviously great for me to be back at the races. Uh, I was on, I mean, it was beyond words how awesome it was. And so many people, uh, made my weekend special by making me feel like the ATV motocross nationals missed me. And every single one of you that stopped by for a picture and an autograph, or, um, just to, you know, chat about my YFZ 450 R, um, just all the people that came out of the woodworks to come and say, hi, it was like, I felt like a pro again or something. It was crazy. So I appreciate all of you so much. And then on a macro level, more importantly, uh, Bryce Ford, um, kind of touching on the team USA stuff. And he's obviously a member of this year. I saw a post the other day that Harv, uh, had posted kind of clearing up and clearing the air on some of the selection stuff and how, you know, each year, the rider, the year, the top three, the year before was picked for the team. So I was happy to see that. Um, I think, uh, I think, I don't know, each week and in, in full disclosure, it's, it's like I've picked Bryce Ford on my fantasy team every week. Cause I just wanted for him so bad. Some of this, uh, some of these stray shots that he's taking, I just don't feel like our writer deserve it. But uh, anyway, so Bryce Ford, uh, he didn't have the day he wanted. We'll get into that a little bit. He didn't have the day he wanted on Saturday, but you'd never know that by his demeanor that he showed after that he spent the entire day on Sunday uh, at the, at the starting gate with the younger riders and amateur riders. Uh, obviously he wants to win of course, but he's still upbeat. You know, he still loves the sport. He loves all the people. I just thought that that was worth mentioning and highlighting that, you know, after a tough day like that, he didn't sulk. He didn't hide. He didn't, you know, wear his negative emotions on his sleeve, nothing like that. Uh, he could be seen on Sunday, super upbeat, smiling, you know, being the Bryce Ford that we know. And I think that that's a, a mature, um, mature kind of lesson for people to kind of see and learn from too. I just, I uh, thought that that was something worth highlighting as something good and positive happening for our impact solutions impact moment. Yeah. It, you know, to touch a little bit there, you know, I think we've, we've all beat this horse and we're not going to change everyone's opinion or bring reality to them on how this stuff goes, but it is what it is. And I think uh, my wife actually mentioned this morning, did you see the post that Harv made? And I'm like, yeah, I seen it. And, you know, hats off to Harv for just like kind of putting it out there in that sense. We've done it already. And, mm -hmm. you know, it is a selection process that we've used. And when the team is made and, you know, there's just been some wacky little things and just weird days for Bryce. Mm -hmm. But don't don't take that for granted because it's not that it's the kids not working. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just there's a different pressure and there's a different, you know, everyone digests that a little bit different. And I think once we get over there, we get to Czech Republic and we go do this race, I think we'll all see that, you know, Bryce was a good pick. And, and in all honesty, I mean, we have so many guys that you could pick from, but the easiest way to do it is to do it off of points at the time and the points from the year before. And that's exactly what was done. It's not a money thing. It's not any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you, you have to have the availability of the machine to send it over there, you know, there is some factors into that kind of stuff, but overall, it really just comes down to a point system. The team would band together if we had to figure out a, another rider or whatever it is. So um, I think it's going to be just fine. And, you know, it, it's just a little bit of a head game and Bryce will, Bryce will get it together. We've been working strong with the mental side of things and it's going to be good. 
Yeah, he's going to smash it. I'm, I'm fully confident in that. And you hit the nail on the head when the decision was made. And we've said it on every one of these shows since then, it feels like. But when the decision was made, he was top three in points. He was top three in points last year. And just because in recent weeks, he's dealt with some stuff, um, he might still be right there. Third in points or very close to it, if not for that DNF that he had nothing physically to do with, um, you know, one week or, or one race ago at, at uh, Pleasure Valley. So it's just... Just one of those things, like you said, we're not going to change everybody's opinion, but for all the people out there that are pounding the table for, you know, riders like Brandon Hogue, Brandon Hogue's going to have the number one draft pick or the first option to be that third rider next year. If, you know, if all things were to kind of go the way that we expect them to go. So yeah, that's, that's enough about that. So I'm going to say it right here, Casey, as we jump in here, uh, Redbud featured some of the fastest pace and best battles that we've seen all year long, pristine racetrack, perfect weather, big crowd in attendance, Redbud never disappoints. And then, like you said earlier, I mean, it was as rough and I heard that from the riders too, but it was as rough as any Redbud that I can remember. It was like more Sandy. I don't know what it was, but it was, it was Redbud, you know, to the max, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one thing I was, I was actually standing there with your dad and we were watching, I watched you it was on Friday. It's a section that's, that was right behind um, my truck and the CST truck, the Elka trailer and the CST truck. And so, I was just so, standing back there and watching. So after LaRocco's for the listener. Yep. Yeah. Right after LaRocco's you turn and come across that section. And I seen you come through there one lap and I don't know if it was like the first lap or maybe the second lap, maybe you just switch into that line and you, you just turn the corner and you just stayed steady in the throttle. Like it wasn't like this crazy aggression, but it was like really steady. And like you went through there, I looked at your dad. I said, well, I'll take that, you know, straight, especially straight for off the couch in a sense. I'm like, damn, that was good. And because we were watching guys go through there and they're literally stopping pro-am guys going through there and they're stopping because the section was so rough. It was just as rough as the roller section, but it didn't have the rhythm that the whoops would have. Right. And then the next lap you come through and I don't know if you, you hesitated the, the next lap through and it wasn't as pretty when you went through but you could tell like maybe that time before you were like holy crap and you were just along for the ride but it worked out really good in the next lap but i i've never seen that section that rough mm-hmm. you know it, it get choppy through there some holes or you know some breaking bumps and different things like that but i mean it literally had three foot rollers through there and there there was no rhyme or reason to how they flowed so you couldn't just pick it up you just had to either muscle through it and hope for the best or try to dodge into smoother lines and uh brett music actually had some of the coolest lines through there watching him on friday i didn't really get to watch him race much from that point on saturday or sunday okay. but um just kind of his line selection that you know that wiley veteran there he he was nailing some pretty cool stuff on friday there yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously great rider there. I think you could argue he's the hottest non-pro in the sport right now. Um, he's slaying it, but, uh, yeah, yeah. The track was, I mean, Redbud is one of the only tracks that we still have on the circuit where there is moments where there's like, man, like, I hope I make it over that hole or I hope, you know, my quad doesn't fall yeah. into that, you know, that rut right there. Like that's one of the only, uh, tracks that we really still have that when I think back to like Millville and stuff of the past, where maybe you experienced that, but, uh, yeah, the, Redbud was for real. Coming into the weekend, Casey, we were tracking a few storylines and uh, coming into this penultimate round of 2022, one of which was 
how uh, evenly matched Redbud has been for Chad Weenan and Joel Hetrick over the years, which is exactly what we'd end up seeing a moto split, just as you predicted, I believe, um, you know, Chad Weenan has been so dominant the last two years. I have these images in my mind of him just, you know, smashing that whoop section and uh, kind of really using his advantages there. Um, but prior to that, like he hadn't won since 2014, obviously Joel won, I think three in a row at one point in there, Thomas Brown won a race, but they've been very evenly matched. And what made Redbud 2022 so interesting was I was looking at it like it was strength versus strength. Chad Weenan at his favorite track when he so strong at and then you know he was going up against the best version of Joel Hetrick that we've ever seen and and I felt like we really got that that moto split uh we saw him go head to head it was almost like the first moto second moto were mere images of each other just with you know inverse roles uh, I thought that we really saw some great racing between those two you could just watch and I saw it on the rip it up films videos yesterday when I was watching them when they came out but the way that they were basically like sand surfing every corner, keeping their momentum up. It was like they were shadowing each other. I mean, the pace that they were going was crazy. And, and it really showed with the gap that they were able to build up over some of the other guys and in, in those motos. But um, yeah, I thought that uh, we saw the best, best versus best between those two and some awesome racing on Saturday between Joel Hetrick and Chad Weenan. Yeah. Joel come out. I mean, just unreal. The first moto, I mean, he, he was there to just put it down and watching him. I mean, I would, I wouldn't like on a stopwatch time in it, but like just watching when they were closer together early in the moto, you could see like Joel leaving the rollers and Chad leaving the rollers. Like Joel was actually pulling on Chad through those, which mm -hmm. may be a first in many years, but it, it really come down to the rhythm that Joel had in it. And he was making, he was doubling out, and it was giving him more brake contact to make the corner better. Mm -hmm. And Chad was manually out, which would set him further and deeper into the corner. And so the braking chances are a lot less, obviously. If, if you can mm -hmm. land on a downside and give yourself an extra two or three foot, it's going to help you stop a lot faster when you're at that speed and that level that those guys are at. So it's just insane to see. And, you know, we've seen it kind of actually just looking at lap times. But I think it come down to just strategize, you know, I, I did talk to Joel Sunday night and he said, that, you know, it, there's something eerie and something different about watching from second and you're battling and you know, like, yeah, I can make this a battle. Actually, Chad had the fastest left watching those two go and Joel watching him from the passenger seat, say from second. And he said, he's like, I'm thinking about this stuff and I'm watching these massive rocks hit my machine. And I'm just thinking like, no and then and you could see joel kind of just back it off some and mm -hmm. cool it and just get himself a comfortable gap and just kind of start to ride that thing home and then i i think for joel i think about halfway or so when you see him start putting in some lap times that were a little bit faster than chad and trying to do it he said oh you know what no i need to win this moto maybe let's see what we can do and he closed it back in somewhat got within a couple seconds of chad and then I think reality set back in, like, I just got to be smart. <laughs> like there's no reason. So it, it's funny. And, and talking with Joey was pretty open with it. And I think he'd be open with anyone about it. So I don't feel that I can't share it, but I think you're fighting these. This is what these guys are going through in their heads. Like they're going that fast. They're fighting one of the most brutal tracks out there. And they're thinking about all these different things while they're doing that. Like I literally can't play a video game and think about that kind of stuff and not <laughs> just wad myself to death on a video game. So it, you know, 
it just speaks volumes for the athletes they are. Oh yeah, they're the they're the best of the best, and and we saw that. I mean, the the pace that those two were running was just crazy and and yeah it's funny you say that about the rocks because i was thinking about that too at one point it seemed like joel like slowed down i watched him look down at his bike at least once or twice yeah. and i'm like i questioned even in the play-by-play on facebook i'm like man is he, is joel having a problem i'm trying to figure out what's going on here so i'm glad that was crisis averted there it was really nothing notable he was probably just like you said doing the math in his head deciding you know his calculated risks there um but yeah we saw some awesome racing between those guys they were pushing the pace and qualifying joel came out on top there joel grabbed the uh, first moto hole shot they were side by side yeah he grabs that first moto hole shot leads wire to wire and then uh, Chad did flip the script in that second moto. He grabbed the moto two hole shot and he kind of rode that to that uh, wire to wire win there to claim the overall. And uh, man, Joel was crazy impressive in the first moto. I was impressed with Chad, obviously in the second moto seemed like he had uh, at least another, another little bit, just a little more pace in that second moto. Um, so we got Chad here waiting in the wings. Uh, let's get him on to chat about his third consecutive red bud victory and his fourth win in the last five events. All right, guys, this next guest is coming off yet another overall victory, making it three in a row at Redbud, and he's now won four of the last five events here in 2022, brought to you by our friends at Binky's Forever ATC Museum. Welcome back your reigning, defending, undisputed, and eight-time ATB Motocross National Champion, Redbud winner, Mr. Chad Weenan. Chad, congrats on the most recent W, and I would think after 65 career victories at this point, that uh, one of those Yamaha YFZ450Rs is going to be added to Binky's collection eventually, if not, if it, if it hasn't happened already, I guess. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Cody. Uh, man, like uh, Binky and I have uh, become friends over the last couple of years. And um, like, I heard that he was getting ready to do like some soft opening possibly soon and then have a grand opening sometime. And he's talked that he's wanted uh, a machine. He wants a special one. So Okay. Yeah, uh, we'll have to see what see what comes in the future. Uh, see if we can have something like that come about. Mm-hmm. So, how many? Uh, and I've seen some of the pictures and stuff of of your house there, and um, you know your bikes and stuff. But how many have you kept over the years of like the Yamahas? Like, how, like how many do you have? A handful? Uh, no, I kept a championship bike from every year. Oh, you have one. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's it started off, you know. I, I absolutely wanted my, my, my first one that I got because you don't know, you know, it's a special one. And then, you know, you start really racking them up and then you get to eight and you're like, man, I really opened a can of worms by, <laughs> you know, keeping machines, but it's a, it's very special. I need to uh, find a, like a place to like have them nice. Mm-hmm. Like binkies would be pretty cool, I think, but I don't know if I want them to be that far away from me. I want, I don't know. We'll see. Right. Yeah, I got it. You kind of want to, it's like a trophy kind of, right? Yeah. Like you see, yep. you see, I tell people when, that, that talk about trophies. It's like the trophy is not, that's not the the concept. The, the concept is to look at the trophy and then remember the memories that come along with it. So I'm sure yeah. you look at those different graphics kits and stuff and know exactly what year it was and remember those battles. I'm sure it takes you right back. Oh, absolutely. Especially the first one. Like we know what all went into it and not saying that the other ones came easy, but like, I would say like, you know, the first one, the like two, three, four and five, like we're kind of a blur. 
they were almost like a blur to me. And then sure. like these recent ones, like I remember a lot more things about them, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a really cool, it brings back the memories and I just gotta, I gotta work. I, I joke around with Max all the time. He's like, dude, you got these things standing up in your garage. Like you need to put them somewhere. I'm like, well, I think it's going to be after I hang up the boots time to like really be able to do that the way I want it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Hang them from the rafter somewhere or something. That'll be cool. Yeah. So, uh, so before we get into red bud and, and this most recent weekend, um, you've been to Binky. So before we move on from that topic, you've been there, you've been to the museum, right? So, uh, tell mm-hmm. me a, a little bit about that because, you know, like you said, we know that Binky is, you know, readying for the soft opening, I believe this month. And, um, yeah, so tell me, so tell me what it was like when you went to Virginia and checked out the place. Man, like uh, we were coming from Florida and we were heading to High Point. And I was like, man, I need to, I need to do this because it's, it's along the way. It's a little bit like a, co- a couple hours out of the way, but I'm like, it's hard for me to just set, set in stone a special trip just to drive all the way out there because it is, it is about 13 hours out there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah. I, we, we made it happen and, you know, step onto the, the property. It's an amazing property that he has there like out over like overlooking a nice lake that he has and then he's got these two buildings and the one is a the museum and man just walking in the first time and seeing like the photos don't do it justice what they have like what he what people have taken Mm -hmm. until you walk in that door and you're like oh my like just insane amount of machines and uh historic history behind them Mm -hmm. and you know he's a you know, and talking to him, he's like, man, like I'm always shopping for things, whether it's, uh, you know, trying to find something that's better or fret more fresh. Like he's always trying to update his collection and make it like very authentic. Okay. So like, he's got a true passion for that. And man, he like, it was great for him to open up his doors and let us come in and check it out. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's amazing. It would be a travesty if he wasn't able to share that with people. Right. I mean, yeah. like you're saying, I, I can't wait to to go check it out someday. So if yeah. you had to pick out, if you had to pick out like the coolest thing you saw there, what would it be? I'll give you like a handful of them. Uh, the biggest one I would say was like the, I would say like digger dogs, like DRZ. Cause I come from like that. Mm-hmm. Like I come from that kind like I come into that era. Yeah. But like, I think seeing like all the Takati quad racers, like you don't see a whole lot of Takati, you know, four wheelers or three wheelers or anything like that. I thought that that was really cool to see. And then Jeremiah Jones's machine was there. Um, yeah. Like uh, there are some other really cool ones that like the two of the R's and stuff like that, that he had. Like, I think that's all really cool because it's, it's a, it's, it, you know, it's, it's in my era and it's like, the heritage of our sport like coming into one and yeah. like to see all like the really cool you know different conversions that people do to different things and also like the three-wheeler era was a little like it was before me but it's still really cool to see how you know these things worked you know it was pretty cool 
Yeah. So obviously, like, I think I would have said the same thing, the DRZ powered hybrid that, that Doug rode and, um, Jeremiah's stuff is, is incredible and two fifty R's and stuff, but it's gotta be cool yeah. to, to see the evolution of the sport, basically all in front of you, yeah. like under one roof. I don't know where oh, else yeah. you would, you would see, especially a collection that vast, but, um, yeah, that's, that's incredible. I can't wait to see it myself. And that was one thing I wanted to touch on. Cause I did see, obviously he's a partner of ours. He's a, I think he's a supporter of yours. But then uh, when we saw that soft opening thing, I wanted to be able to touch on that before we got started here. So that's yeah, really special. Um, so a lot of history under one roof there, like I said. And speaking of history, uh, you have a lot of good history at Redbud over the years. So um, I'll ask you, this is something I kept hearing over the weekend. So was this the roughest Redbud that you can remember? Uh, I believe so. But like, I remember different Redbuds that were, let's say like the rollers were a lot tougher, yeah. you know, where they really got double, double kicked all the way through them. Mm-hmm. But like, I think all around of the track, like, I think it was pretty gnarly for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think, I think that you just hit the nail on the head because I thought the track overall was probably on Saturday, the the roughest that I can remember it, but specifically like the whoops were tougher in the last couple of years that this was not yeah. the toughest whoop section and that and we previewed that coming into the race where uh you had that whoop section so dialed that you just used it as your as your trump card these last couple of years and that wasn't necessarily able to be the case this year you know they got some big holes in them but they weren't double lift like we've seen in recent years yeah for sure and you and you've seen the difference between the friday rollers to the saturday mm-hmm. yep which i was kind of like I was kind of like, man, like, I, I'm surprised they changed them for our race day on Saturday because you think that they would make them the biggest that day and then tame them down from mm-hmm. there. And I think they got bigger again on Sunday again, didn't they? I think they did. Yeah, I think yeah, they did. Just t- like, t- like height-wise. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, I definitely was able to, like, you know, put my 100% intensity through those rollers, like, every time because – like I knew that if I was getting good runs through there every time I was able to, you know, spread the gap and just be smooth the rest of the, of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So kind of touching on the roller thing then. So uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and I had a bunch of people talking to me this past weekend, listeners of our show wanted to hear more about like technique stuff. And so your, you know, standing brute strength style obviously translates perfectly to the legendary track there at Redbud, but uh, even like beyond you, Redbud really seems to lend itself towards riders who like load the front end, like, like you do. And like riders like you do. So I'm thinking obviously of you, I'm thinking of Jeffrey seems to ride that way from time to time. And we saw uh, him get that podium this weekend. Max rides that way as well. Like under your tutelage, mm-hmm. he, he loads the front end. We saw him podium there last year. Um, so I, I believe in, again, like, a track so rough uh, makes sense that that kind of technique and riding style would, you know, uh, shine at Redbud. But do you really see that those rough tracks like that, you know, it seems to uh, really like things come a little easier at those tracks because of your riding style and your technique? Is that something that comes easy to you? Yeah. I mean, it's more natural for, for my technique and the way that I ride. Mm-hmm. It's um, like, like when you say like waiting the front end, like, Yes, but it's actually just considered like balancing, you know, because okay. like you get it, when you get seated on the machine, like through the turns, like you're transferring a ton of weight to the rear end. 
Mm -hmm. So it it makes it hard for you to control the front end on where it goes. So like just by, you know, balance, I call it balance on the machine and having that, that ability to do that because to, to get that from a seated position to try and like correct that is like really difficult for me because of how much I weigh. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, I think Joel really shines on like the smoother hard pack tracks where like I transfer a ton of weight where he transfers very little weight. I understand. So he, he can, he can balance his machine by his suspension. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That was one thing that Max even said to me. So you, you are saying it better there by balancing the machine, but he was, he told me basically with the Yamaha that I was going to have to, I was going to find myself more up over the front end. And, um, that's kind of what you're saying, right. Is balancing the machine. That's why, that's why he said that. Yeah. And like, definitely like, I, I think I just, I, I appreciate the rough tracks because you, like you use more of the track. Like when, when one line goes gnarly, you, you move and you move around, you search around to try and miss all those bumps. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, like Friday, like walking the track after Friday practice, like, man, I was like, I think it'd be so much fun to ride this track and, and put, you know, a bunch of laps on it, whether we, we if we raced on it, I think that'd be like so fun because guys would be far inside guys would be far outside trying to find like a, a good groove that works for their style. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing like for Saturday, I don't think we've ever used a berm that far out after the ski jump. Yes, you know, like, exactly. Yep. You know, like that's, that kind of tells you like how the track developed and how much the track that we were using, you know, throughout the day. Yeah. And it looked to me, you know, you two specifically, I mean, all the riders are pushing the pace, but you two specifically, you and Joel were pushing the pace so hard that I think that that's why in some of those corners, you were using those far outsides, right. Where you guys just wouldn't even slow down. It was amazing to watch. And you were what I like typically call like road coursing, right. By keeping your momentum up. It seemed like, like you said, you were, you guys were doing that more at Redbud than, than we've ever seen in the past, even though it was totally whooped out in that line, like you were still railing it. Yeah. 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 And just the way the, and like what was going on after that, you kept your momentum over that double and you're able to get into that turn really well. And it's, it's actually, you know, like for instance, like going to the rollers, like for me, it's all about momentum and just carrying that momentum all the way through and starting with a high momentum pace between besides like trying to get going, you know, throughout them, because that's where, that's where you'll go wrong. Like, you need to try and create that momentum right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that kind of gets that adrenaline going too, right. Is committing to that and knowing, Hey, All like right. I, I, I can't let out right now, you know, as you're entering yeah. the whoop section, your only choice is to stay on the gas. And, um, and, and that's just one of those feelings that you really can't mimic anywhere else. At least that's like one of those natural high things for me. I'm going half year speed, Chad, but, uh, it's, it's just one of those things that's truly special. Like I, I wait all year long to hit those, the, those whoops at red, Bud when they get gnarly like that. And like the outside line was super whooped up. So that really wasn't working. And then the inside had like, you had waves going into them. So we were like doubling into the, into the turn and trying to keep momentum that way. And I thought that that was really cool. Like this year we were able to, I was able to do that like consecutively clean and, Mm -hmm. you know, just 
it was like to script the way I would want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, let's specifically talk about the weekend then for you. So you go two one for the overall first moto uh, Joel leads wire to wire. You guys were nip and tuck coming out of the first corner there. Um, you were in pursuit the entire time. And then the second moto was inverse. Basically you lead it wire to wire and claim the moto and overall win. So obviously it's like throwing out the points part of this winning four of the last five overalls over the course of the last month and a half or, or a little more than that, two months has to have you feeling pretty darn good at this point, Chad. Like that's a, that's a pretty good run. Oh, for sure. And like, man, uh, like I've been having like a lot of fun riding and training and, you know, when weekends come together the way that you, you're wanting to, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I wanted to try and get max points this weekend, but, you know, uh, you know, I can't take anything away from Joel. Like, he was riding great. I was pretty flat the first, like, three, four laps, and then I started to get my groove a little bit. But, man, uh, it's, it's a high competition between the two of us. And, like, we have races where, you know, uh, you know, like Brandon Hogue hops in there and stuff like that. Maybe this track didn't really lend itself to him so much, mm-hmm. but like it, it was, it was a, it was a great weekend and, you know, being able to string some wins together like that. And, you know, I, I do know I'm a realist. Like I know that the, the championship is a stretch, but like I've been able to win a lot of these things. I know what goes into it. Like you got to have things go your way a lot. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, you got to have, riders that make mistakes and Joel hasn't been making them, you know, and it's a, it's been a great year so far. We got one to go and, you know, I put a good, good rides on the machine today with Patrick Torini at my place. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a, it's been fun. Hey, as a competitor, and we've had this conversation before, but as a competitor, you want your, uh, you want your competitor to show their best too, right? Like you, oh yeah, like that's what you want. That's you want to be, yeah you know, the other guy at their best. And, and you've rolled that to eight titles at this point. So uh, you touched on uh, Patrick Torini. He's there with you. He's been riding all year long. Um, I've wanted to have him on the show. I didn't know if there would be uh, like a communication barrier. I was told there may, that may be difficult, but um, talk on how that's been to have him with you uh, this year, at least at the race. I know he's been doing a bunch of traveling back and forth and stuff, yeah. but man, I thought he killed it this year to be at these tracks for the first time and racing the stiff competition that we have here in the States. I thought he was been really impressive all year long. Yeah, I, I think he's been having a great time. And uh, we even spoke on that uh, a couple of days ago. This is his first time staying like in between rounds here. Yeah. So I think that's been a b- pretty big hurdle, like traveling back and forth. I just think I'd be over it after, you know, round two or three. Yeah. And, you know, like finally getting him to stay here and, and train with me for a week. And, you know, it's, it's an eye opener to him, like riding my place. And he's like riding today. He's like, oh, man, like this is this is intense, you know, and like, you know, like for me, it's, it's my backyard. So it, it doesn't really feel that, but like for him coming from Europe and racing, you know, racing there to coming here and, you know, trying to make those adjustments quick on the flyer is like really difficult. And I think he's done really well. He's had his, his ups and downs of course, but like, I think he's been awfully consistent knocking on that top 10. Yeah. And, you know, is we're going to try and see if we can get them, you know, deeper into that top 10 possibly after this round. But uh, I give him, I give him a lot of props for what he's doing this year. And I think he'd be a good fit for the show. Like 
I, you just probably have to talk a lot slower and be really like emphasize on your words that you're saying and try to keep less okay. words and okay. stuff like that. But I honestly think he'd be, he'd definitely be down for it. Good, good. Yeah. I, I would love to talk to him because I, I'm very interested in, you know, what kind of experience he's had here in the States. I want to talk to our, our, our Irish friend that was there this past weekend too, just to, just to hear what it's like to yeah. you know, kind of realize a dream for them to come here to the States. So I'm glad that we could touch on that. Uh, another thing sure. I wanted to, wanted to ask you about Chad. So um, after Loretta's, uh, you'll have a little over like four or five weeks, five or six weeks, right before the quad cross of nations race. So what will your schedule look like between now and then after Loretta's, will you take a little time off and then hop back into the routine or, or what are your thoughts there? What are your plans leading up to the quad cross of nations race? Yeah. I mean, like after Loretta's, we have the nation's event. It's, it's roughly about a month and a half or give or take, yep. but, um, I'll probably take a couple weeks off, like maybe just ride a little bit here and there, but definitely take at least a week off the machine and, and, uh, just keep up with my off the, off the machine training and just stay fresh that way. But, um, I feel like if I at least give myself like uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks of like good training on the machine, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like I'll be good to go. Like we're really excited for that. It's, um, it's going to be good to be back there, you know, competing with the, the best teams in the world. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we have, a, I guess you'd say a bullseye on us, of course, but <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's a good thing because, uh, you know, we've been able to see a lot of riders want to come here and race with us and, uh, get a taste of what it is like here. And I think it's raising their level there and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really good thing because we want to race the best of the best and be challenged every time we go. And it, it makes it sweeter, like you said, to win when your competitors are at their best and they're trying everything they can to win. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that we've seen the trickle down effect, right. Of you guys going over there. Now we're having, you know, we had VTech last year. We have Patrick Torini this year. We've had some of those guys come from over there and, you know, race us here. And that probably wouldn't happen or, yeah. or it wouldn't likely happen. I wouldn't think without the nation's race kind of being that bridge. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to, you know, have those people. And like, I mean, could you imagine, you know, packing up your stuff and be like, I'm going to go race over, you know, across no. the pond, you know, like that. And, you know, like VTech coming here by himself, like, that's just insane to me. Like, and he killed you know, it. He, yeah, yeah, he did. And like, I, th- I give everybody props that that makes that leap to do that because we're doing we're doing it for one race and as a team. Like we we bring a, gr- a big group of people with us, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's pretty wild what they do. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I can't. And I said that to VTech last year. I'm you know he comes over here. He's like got no mechanic at some of the races. He's all by himself. He's just figuring stuff out. He's living with a random family, right? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's oh, just, yeah. it's just wild to think of, of what he had to overcome and um, all these guys. So it's awesome to see. Uh, so what do we know about this Czech Republic track? Do you, do you know anything about that Chad? Is it hard packed? Is it Sandy? What, what are we uh, expecting to, to see when we get there? Yeah, like I, from what I know, it's a hard base, so it won't be like sandy. It'll be very much hard packed. Okay. Um, like probably a, a small tire track. That's at least what we're prepping for. 
Okay. Uh, just I had a, I had a guy come early this year. He's actually from the Czech Republic and races there and stuff like that. And he said, yeah, like it's a lot of ups and downs, like one bigger jump and stuff like that. So it kind of gave me the breakdown, but you know, it's uh, I think from what I know, they say it's a really nice, nice track and facility. And, you know, like they said, like they, they told us that there are some videos out there. I just haven't, I haven't <laughs> looked at them, but um, I, I always said like, I'll, I'll, cross that bridge after our season's done and that's the next focus got it got it so uh last thing i want to ask you about uh the quad cross of nations is did you happen to see that walker fowler says that he would like to be part of the team before it's all said and done did you see that i did i did uh i think i think i saw you post something about it well he had commented I mean, on one of our posts about it right and yeah. then, then joel hopped on it and said he'd like to see it so i wanted to ask you you know if you saw it yeah. and if you think it'd be a good fit because like my mind went to at some of those tracks where it's like super deep and sandy and ruddy and whatever oh, yeah. i feel like he would be a perfect fit yeah i mean i definitely think that like his caliber of riding and i've seen him ride moto before mm-hmm. he rides it really well especially the ruddy stuff and deep sand like, I think he'd be a great fit for it. Um, it's kind of like, it'd be kind of cool. Let's say we got to a, a point in position where they want to try out or something like that, where everybody goes to one track and these are con- the conditions, what they're going to be like, yeah. go for it. You know, that like, would be awesome. are, I mean, I think that would be a cool process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just to give everybody equal opportunity to go. I'm sure like, you know, we want to send our best team, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it'd be a pretty cool if it came down to, you know, next year, the years before years to come to have that opportunity. I think the, I think all these riders that would like that opportunity would really jump at that. Yeah. Can you imagine having a, having a tryout or something yeah. like that? That would be so cool um, oh, yeah. to see how that all stacked out. So that's awesome. And, uh, and the 25 minute plus two lap moto, like I, I think that would be a, a breeze for him if he was <laughs> yeah. able to like, you know, focus on his intensity and just do sprint, you know, from mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So I, I mean, him riding two hours is a, uh, I think that'd be a walk in the park for him. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So that's a, a fun thing to think about. That would be something that would be cool to see. Um, so Chad, as we kind of finish up here, uh, the last thing I want to touch on, and we were chatting over the weekend and you brought this up to me that you'd like to talk about some of the old clips that we've been posting on our social media channels and I have some exciting news. So we, we have been adding those to our uh, YouTube channel as well. So more people will be able to access them there. Um, but you said that you most wanted to talk about the WPSA races. And before we get into, you know, each one that we kind of posted, uh, I would think that, you know, seeing those has to bring back a flood of, you know, awesome emotions for you of a truly special time right of giving that getting that first ride with suzuki that has to be some of the your greatest racing memories i would think uh yeah i mean for sure like when i seen you post some of those i was like man like that i've been looking for that footage for a long time and we talked about it this weekend you're like i have all the discs for them and stuff like that i Mm -hmm. i used to have them all i don't know what happened to them maybe (laughs) i spread them out between my dad's house and my motor home and stuff like that. But sure. Like, I mean, I always like to try and look back at that and just be like, man, like that was the heyday of our, of our sport, you know, and just a, just a crop of riders that were there at that time was insane. Like 
I could have went to a race and got first, or I could have went there and got seventh or eighth, Mm -hmm. you know, like it was just depending on how, how much you brung that weekend. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's an honor to be able to race in that era and then to see all the footage and the great things that I was able to accomplish, you know, back then and, you know, try to keep carrying the torch as long as I can here. Yeah. And it's, and I've said this to you so many times, but the story is so amazing to me, you know, like I would literally in school, I would write, you know, these little stories or I would like pretend when I'm riding out in the, in the yard on my quad of like being a privateer. Cause that's what, that's the stories that we love is like being a privateer and then, you know, slaying it as a privateer and then getting a factory ride. And that's just exactly what you did. And I think that that's why I, you know, I connected with you or I cheered for you from day one, when you kind of put yourself on the map like that, because that's the story that everybody dreams of, right. Is, is going out and doing it by yourself and putting yourself on the map and then getting that opportunity. And that's exactly what you did. So I just remember, you know, seeing those pictures of the 44 in yellow on a yellow quad. And it was like, man, this is the coolest thing. This is, this is Hollywood. That's what it felt like. Oh yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, back being the privateer and then jumping to that team going from, you know, basically slumming it in the back part of the pits. And then all of a sudden your front row center, the spotlights on you. And it's like, yeah. And I didn't actually let that bother me. I just, I don't know, like I've been able to keep my focus on, you know, what, you know, just what I had to do and what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of distractions. You know, I just, I was out there. I didn't have bills to pay. I didn't have all that. I just went on road and like, you know, uh, now, nowadays you definitely changed to, you know, now, like, you know, you, I have a lot of things that, you know, I've, my home here and my, my family to provide for. And mm-hmm. like back then it's just like, so uh, zero stress, I guess you'd say, you know? Yeah. Hey, your, your one concern at the time was trying to take the big check and fit it into the bank. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that's, you know, just uh, young and fun. And uh, it's, it's, those are cool times. Those yeah. Are cool times. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So um, the first clip that I shared when I, I so I'm going to kind of go through them in order on the way that I shared them. So the first clip I shared was you battling with Doug Gust in a heat race at the opener that year. That was your LTR debut in 2007 WPSA season opener. So what yeah. do you remember about that day? Like, what was that like for you um, coming out on the factory team first day out? And then you're battling with Doug Gust, you know, who's obviously, I, I, I believe you'd consider an idol of yours, especially at that time. So uh, tell me what that was like and then what your emotions were like going into and out of those races. So like coming into that race, um, there was a AMA event the week, the week before. Yep. yep. And that was my first time riding the machine after that race at Echikani. I remember that. Yeah. And you know, like I, I believe I said like, you know, the amount of parts they had like on, on hand for me to like test all that week and try to get comfortable on the machine and like, and then rolling down the road to uh, just a little bit further South in Georgia, we come into this place and like we roll in there and it's like Donnie Banks is out there putting a track together and uh, just a field, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's really not a motocross track. And then now he's like turning it into one. And I will say, like, that was probably 
granted it was my first race on that machine, but that track was so rough. Yes, it was. Like, <laughs> dude, it was beat. And I, I couldn't believe it. Like, cause you know, it, I don't know if it's something about just it being like a, like a fresh untouched, yeah. you know, yep. grounds that it just whooped up that bad. <laughs> and, you know, I believe, I believe if I remember correctly, I pulled a whole shot in my heat race. I, be okay. I believe, I believe I was up there on one of those, like, cause starts were like my kryptonite. Right. You know, e even that, you know, even, even then, like I was even worse than I am now for sure. But, uh, and then I pull one and I, I was like, man, like, I think I can do this pretty good. And then we get to the main and I pull a pretty decent start. And, you know, I'm battling with Doug Gus and he's, you know, he's been the, you know, the forefront of this effort with Suzuki and, you know, and I looked up to him a lot being, you know, that what he's been able to accomplish in the, in the, in the past and um, lining up next to him and having that competition. And, you know, before I know it, I'm passing him. It's, it's, it's almost like it's surreal to be honest with you, like in that moment, because you're like, you're trying to, you're you're trying to pass this guy and you're like uh that guy is number 55 doug gus and mm -hmm. i'm little old like chad wiener not a green illinois mm -hmm. like <laughs> you know so it's actually i wasn't little but i was a big big boy <laughs> back then even but uh it's just it's a very cool and i just remember like how hot it was and how rough it was and uh you know trying to track down john in that race and uh we had some problems with the machine and like even you know we were able to get those like most of those problems figured out but like that first year i either won or i had a problem you know yeah. just i had really good speed and i created a lot more comfort in the machine mm -hmm. and you know it's just a, it's a fun time yeah it really yeah, for sure. So the reason why I kind of wanted to hear about that race was, and I know you had done well at Walnut in the years prior and you had some flashes. I know that you were super fast that that spring on the Honda still. Um, but like you just said, battling with Doug Gus, battling with some of those guys being at the front of the pack at the, you know, the, the tip of the spear, like you like to say, uh, race in and race out was a new thing. So you kind of, I'm sure you have to like make that mental shift too. Just like you said, now you're, yeah. you're not looking at Doug Gust, like, Whoa, Doug Gust. I mean, oh, you're, yeah. you're like, you're still looking at him that way, but I, I imagine you're like, man, I got to go beat that guy, you know? So, yeah. so that's a mental shift too. And that's what interested me about that. Yeah. And like what went on, like in that off season, like, I can't explain it. I just had a, a big focus on, you know, riding and training and trying to make myself better. I can't say that like anything clicked, but I think it was just the amount of workload that was put in. And it wasn't like, I, I say this a lot sometimes that everything started to slow down. Like you start to see things in slow motion where you feel like you're passing people in slow motion. You're able to set them up and carve where you want. And, you know, when you start seeing it that way, that's when you're, you're at your best. And you think that that just was sparked from just putting in a ridiculous amount of work. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just having that workload, like, I think the amount of workload that I did back then to what I do now, like, I think I'd bury myself in the ground right now. Sure. Yep. Like I was doing 
I was doing like 30 minute motos. I'd get off and I'd run the track or if my machine broke, I would start pushing it around the track. You know, like <laughs> it was just like, uh, it was just relentless. And uh-huh. I recovered, I recovered like that, you know, no problem. Uh, like I recover fine now, but like if I put in heavy days like that now where I'll just put myself into a hole and it's <laughs> like, I need to take like a week off or two of doing nothing to try and get back. <laughs> right. So I feel like some of those younger riders go through that. I don't know how, I mean, I know some of those guys work very hard and sometimes I yeah. think like, man, maybe you're just going a little too hard. Like, you know, yeah. like maybe, oh, yeah. you know, go easy on your stuff. You don't got to run yourself into the ground. And some of those guys are made yeah. up that way that they're just work, you know, work harder. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. You had the perfect balance back then, whatever buttons you pushed, man, they were, they were perfect. Yeah. I mean, I've always talked with Thomas, like, even throughout his career, like, this dude would ride, like, six days a week or something like that. And I'm like, I'm like, Thomas, you need to rest. Like, he's like, I know you say that, but, like, I feel better if I ride more. Whether, like, he, like he, he's like, I feel more comfortable going to the races if I ride on a Thursday and then we race on Saturday. You know, like, I like to have that feel. And I, I get that at times. But, like, you know, to be honest with you, Cody, like, we had, what, we have a month off from the 4th July race? Yeah, basically like three, I, three weekends. Yep. Yeah, I, I rode five times. My, oh, five wow. times that I, my five times that I rode were heavy days. Like, they were, like, basically pro mock days. Like, race you're day. riding, you know, race yep. day. Yep. Like, uh, but... I feel like now, like you get to this point of the year, like you're, you, you got like such a platform built that mm-hmm. as long as you're on your, you're off the machine training for me, that if, if I put in good days and strong days, so I don't forget that, that strain that you put on your body towards the end of the moto that I can, I'm better if I do that now than if I put in say 12 rides you know, in between yeah. races. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a, a great thing for some of those younger riders to hear, because I think that, uh, that's, uh, you know, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but some of those lighter days are not in their vocabulary. It's quality, not quantity. There you go. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect yeah. way to say it. So, uh, next clip I want to talk about Chad, um, was actually jumping to the finale that year. Uh, so, you were in, I don't Gosh. know, when I pulled the clip up, right. You were in fourth or something and yeah. you were, you were behind Natalie creamer and Wimmer, your teammate. And remember Wimmer was, was gunning for the title that day. He was kind of behind mm-hmm. Natalie needed to beat him. So, um, the interesting part w- with that one to me is, you know, you kind of are waiting You're it looks like it, you're kind of shadowing yeah. Dustin. And then you decide like, Hey, it's time to go. And I was wondering if there was any team orders or what the scoop was with that. So take me inside your helmet as you pass your teammate, when he's trying to, you know, push for a title, you know, you go on to pass all these guys late in the race and win the thing. So tell me about that day. Yeah. Um, I want to say, was that a, I can't remember if it was a double header weekend or what exactly it was there. I don't, know. I don't know if it was a double header. I just remember it as the, as the finale and, yeah. um, but I don't think it was a doubleheader. I don't think so. But so we were, we, I believe we were in like a, either a heat race or something like that where, and Dustin was in mine. It wasn't that same race, but we were, we were racing and I was out front and 
you got points for I think your heat race too. Yes. And like I remember seeing my pit board like let let you know 191 by and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm like, man, like and I wait till the last turn to let them buy. Yeah, I remember you know, because, this. Okay, I remember this. Now that you say this, I remember yeah. this. And then I remember the clip of you two talking to each other after the race. They showed that. So yeah. uh keep going. Yeah. So like that happened and uh <laughs> one of the bosses at Suzuki was very, very fired up about that. He, I think he thought that I was good I wasn't gonna pay attention and not <laughs> let him buy. But I ended up letting him buy and like we talked this through. And I'm like, yes, I'm okay to, you know, try to be a part of the team and do that. And I said, if we get into the moto, the main, and Dustin is not progressing forward with, you know, such and such laps to go, I'm going. And they agreed with that. And okay. um, so we got going during that, during the main event there. And like, I'm, I'm shadowing Dustin there for a while and he's not able to really push himself push his way through mm-hmm. and eventually i just like my mechanic you know gave me gave me the sign and pit board like time to go forward so we we started that and like i just put on a full-on sprint all the way through to try and pass those guys and get get to the front was able to make a pass on dustin and then uh you know a little bit later on to pass john but like man like i think that's the coolest feeling in the world where you can sit behind guys where they're riding their, their freaking tails off mm-hmm. and I'm able to grab another gear and, you know, pass them and leave them. Like yeah. that's like, I've never thought that I would have that feeling, but like there, I think I had like the mentality because I had nothing to lose where like those guys, like Dustin had to go forward if he wanted to get a championship, but he just wasn't able to like push past that barrier. And like, I think it helped him once I got by him and showed him some of my lines where mm-hmm. it, it gave him a chance to go, go after John. Yeah. That's fascinating to me to hear about that because I was trying to figure out if you, you know, made this decision like yourself, like screw huh. it, I'm going or, yeah. or if you got team orders, but it's fascinating to me to hear that because you're, you're, you're kind of um, saying exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, Chad, had to have been thinking like, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, screw yeah. it, I'm going. And that way you were able to just sprint till the end and, and push it to the limit because, you know, prior to that, it was like, it wasn't necessarily in your control, right? So as soon as it was, as it was in your control, you just grabbed another gear. Yeah, I mean, and then like also like, you know, being that young and like kind of like wide open as, as I'd like to say, just like, <laughs> being that there was a there's a lot of money to be made then mm-hmm. and yeah. also like I didn't want to you know piss off my, my the team that was helping me out and yeah. you know taking care of everything and um but man like <laughs> those times are like some of like they're like imprinted in my mind where I can just remember those like that moment like when I see that clip I'm like oh wow like that is like I remember so much on that day. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. This is so much fun, Chad. So um, I also shared your very first uh, pro class overall win 
which came uh, in your home state there of Illinois at, uh, I think it was called like South Fork Dirt Riders or something, right? In Taylorville, Taylor, Illinois. Taylorville. Yep, yep, Taylorville. That's what we always called it too. So uh, I remember that day as the day that Suzuki swept the podium, right? And Russell Shoemaker was up there too. I think he got like fourth or fifth and, um, oh. and Havisto was up there Havisto. as well. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so tell me about that day. That was a, a special one. I could see the emotion on your face, obviously after the races, mm-hmm. um, just amazing to think about, you know, you've had 65 of those things now, and that was the very first one. So tell me about that, man. Uh, just especially being in my home state, I, I really didn't ride there like much at all. I think I want to say that was maybe my first time or second time. Maybe I think my second time racing there. I think I've been there one other time as a as a full on privateer. Because it's all it's out. It was out west. You know, it was it, it was yes, like near Missouri. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very far south. It was probably I think it was close to like four and a half five hours away. Sure. Okay. Yep. Yeah. But um, yeah, like racing that event like getting like a very, very good start because I was coming off of an event that we had out in, um, it was in Oklahoma at, um, can't remember that track that we went to. It was like really red clay. Cooperland. And I probably had probably one of my worst showings on the Suzuki like that day. Okay. And I was like, and I was like, man, like (laughs) I was very motivated to do well and try to get bounce back and do big things and pulled a great start uh made quick passes on like uh i believe it was was a shoemaker in front of me at one point Doug Could have been doug, yep doug was definitely in front of you i believe wimmer was then, as well and then yep. dustin nelson yes i believe Yes. Yes, he was. So, so what was the, so, so one thing I do want to touch on when talking about this race is on the broadcast, they're talking about the officials possibly pulling you off the track because because you, you don't have your goggles on anymore. So it was perfectly dry. So why did you lose your goggles? And I thought it was hilarious that they thought about, and and at the time, cause I was, I was a kid, right? So I was in the the 300 EX class at the time, but was there like some questions about like, are these referees, like, are they going to make right decisions on things? Was that a concern at all too? Like, tell me a little bit about that. No, honestly, like, like watching the broadcast and like, what are they talking about? Why would they, why would they yank me off the track? You know, like, but then I mean, I'm like, yes. I'm like, do they know that little? That's what, that's what my yeah. mind went to. I think that, that the, the people that were in the booth. Um, yeah. I think they, I think they were like, this is dangerous. Don't do this. <laughs> but I don't think they knew like the, the rules. Like if it was a mud race, you'd see so many people pull their goggles. Exactly. But, I believe like, you know, it was kind of dusty then and stuff like that. So I think I took on like some roost and I really like took some underneath and it went up into my goggles Got it. and I had dirt floating around inside my goggles and I just ripped them. And I'm like, once I got out front, I didn't, I I waited till I got out front to do that. Uh But yeah, like, yeah. Cause, uh, like, (laughs) I think I got a photo where like right after the race, like I'm, I'm sitting there with my mechanic and you can see like dirt, like spec. Cause I was like sweating so much. I had dirt, like speckles all the way around my eyes. Okay. And, and, um, but yeah, I think like the, I ran Scott goggles back then and they're very notorious for like letting dirt 
inside my inside my my yep. inside in my eyes because I don't know if they just didn't fit my face very well or didn't fit my helmet, one of the two. Mm-hmm. But like that was because we because we changed I changed helmets from like I ran uh, one industries that year and then we went to a rye and they fit better into the rye helmet than it did the one industries helmet. Got it. So I remember that time period too, and wearing those, the same goggles you were or whatever, and thinking the same thing. I'm like wiping the inside of my goggles and I got dust on the inside. I'm like, what the heck is this? But yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy to think about that. These announcers who, and they're, they were good announcers, but they didn't know. Oh yeah. They didn't know motocross, you know? So. Or was it Tessul? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Like really great announcer. Like even like, (laughs) Cause I was really into extreme sports and him doing the X games and stuff like that. Like, yeah. man, like I remember just staying up and watching the X games, like when I was younger and then all of a sudden he's our announcer. Like it was uh-huh. legendary. Yeah. 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 So, um, just listening to these two guys talk about, you know, do not try this at home. This is not yeah. safe. <laughs> you know, is, is, is Chad Wienan going to get penalized for this? You know, all these yeah. things, it was just, just wild to, to think about it added to the drama, I guess, or, or added to the story, if nothing else. Um, I'm really glad it, I'm really glad it didn't go down that road of getting right. penalized. Cause, uh, <laughs> can you imagine, tough. can you oh, imagine? The- the first one ripped away from you for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I have, uh, I have one more clip to chat about here. Um, it came from, uh, Daniel Boone that same year, 2007. Uh, this is the one where you set up Natalie. I thought it was so, so cool to watch because you're setting him up on the outside, on the outside, on the outside, uh, in the corner before the table for two double there. And then you end up sneaking up the inside when he's trying to cover the outside. I thought that was so much fun to watch. So tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, that was um like I remember that one very well. Just um there was a bunch of people that were hanging out on the outside there and they were yeah. just like I was the only guy going up there, just going <laughs> high and just ripping around that thing and they were just they were up there cheering, loving it. I'll come by and I'll just roost all over them. Yeah. And there's every 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 time I came around they were like right up there on the fence and like yeah, like with John John's like the smartest rider that I've ever like raced against where he can pinpoint where you're going to be and where you could be going. And like that day, like being able to outsmart him, like at that point, because I was, I wasn't like, you know, it's my first, not my first year, but like my first, my first year running at, at that sharp end of the, of the spectrum there Mm -hmm. and being able to, be smart enough and patient enough to keep ripping that line. And then I see him like the lap before he really like crept out. Like he was covering it to make me check up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I got a really good run on him through the rollers, followed him really tight down through like the, the step down double and up the hill. And I gave him like, I, I kind of gave him like a little bit of like panic rev and he jumped out to that line again. And I cut down underneath and it was just like, that Suzuki just that the Suzuki could turn so well and just the way it hooked up up that hill and all around that turn and it was just like probably one of my best passes that you know I've ever made. Uh-huh. Well, I just thought it was so cool that you set it up. It's not that you just passed yeah. him in the moment, right? You yeah. you set him up laps earlier running the outside, he starts yeah. to cover it and then you sneak up the inside. It was just the, the perfect move. Yeah, and I was I 
like looking back on that one, I, that one really like watching that clip really like made me excited to like, because I was like, I knew it was coming. And I'm like, Oh yeah, he's, he's crept out there. And I'm like, the next lap I'm coming in, I'm going to, I'm going to dive. And like, I honestly was like in awe because I, because a lot of the times when I got behind John like that, I got stuck. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't get past him. Mm -hmm. So being able to do that. And then I, it was a doubleheader weekend and I won both, both those races that weekend. And yeah. like, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you like some numbers. Like, you know, that was like a 25 to $30,000 weekend, you know, wow. when I won that weekend, you know, yeah. like it's, it, it's insane of what the ability was and back then. And let's say if Doug probably did that, he'd probably double what I was making, you know, like, <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool. Like, um, to have that and be able to live through that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's incredible. That's why I really love sharing the clips that have you in it. And this is so much fun to hear you talk about this, like all these years later, but I love sharing the clips with you in it because you're the holdover from that era yet. You're, but you're the only one. So that's why I, you know, every day you, you assume that people find our sport or people find, you know, our podcast or whatever. And mm -hmm. I want them to know too, even if it's just one person, I want them to know like, Hey, like how badass you know, things were back then. Like we still got this one guy that's still doing it. It's amazing. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it was an awesome era to live through. And it's like when T Brown left, like he was one of the guys that I, I didn't necessarily grow up racing with him, but like, let's say I started racing with him and, you know, first time I met him was like 2004 at Cody Miller's house down in Texas. Okay. So like first time meeting him, it was pretty early on, but like him racing, like he was, he was, he's still uh, like four or five years younger than me. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's, it's wild being the last one left in that era. And it's very cool because a lot of these guys reach out to me and from that era and they're, they're like cheering for me because they want me to continue <laughs> doing it and continue to do well. And yeah, like, you know, cause these guys were, they were my idol back then. And I looked up to them. I remember looking through dirt wheels and reading the articles, putting, cutting, cutting out their magazines and put them on my wall, you mm -hmm. know, like that sort of thing. So like, that's really cool, you know, to have them reach out to me and, it's, 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 it's a blessing, you know? Yeah, it really is. I can't imagine what that feels like, but that's amazing. And um, yeah, I'm sure that they're all cheering for you. You're, you're one of them. And they're like, you know, stick it to the kids, you know, keep holding them <laughs> off, you know, kind of thing. But it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I was and again, I, I have never raced, uh, never like diced it up with Chad Wien or anything. When you and I were both racing the pro class at the same time, I had, uh, from this year, from 2007, I had like, uh, I don't know what it would have been like a, like a, like a, I don't know, 18 by 24, like big ass picture of you on a Suzuki right next to my bed. Like still, as I was racing the pro class against you, you know, it's just, it's just funny how it works. So I, I can relate with everything you're saying that, you know, these guys were your idols and stuff like that. That's just a, an awesome thing to hear about, but man, that was uh, so much fun to, to hear about those races. And I have a lot more that uh, I can share down the road. So maybe as we look to the, 
fall here. Maybe we can uh, do this a little bit more. This has been so much fun. And yeah. to see and to see the smile on your face, Chad, as you're reliving these memories, it's a it's a truly special yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, I had a great time doing that with you and like reliving those memories is like because like I'm, everybody's like we're very like future based like looking into the future and sometimes you got to sit down and just think about like the the footsteps that you made and just enjoy like the things you've been able to accomplish and you know the people that you meet along the way mm-hmm. yeah I, I think couldn't have said it any better myself so as we look to like i said as we go into the fall here we'll look to do that a little bit more that'll be a lot of fun and speaking of fall chad is Graham Mertz going to take a step this season? Are we going to see a step from Graham Mertz in the Wisconsin Badgers? I would really like to see that, Chad. It would be nice. It, they're about due to have a stellar season. And, like, I'm excited. I hope to make it to a game and yeah. uh, check check them out. Uh, but, man, like, I'm excited to see what they got and see what they can provide this year man he he was so good in that very first game as a freshman chat and he just yeah. he just baited I, us in he just baited us in with this perfect passer rating game against yeah. I think illinois and then everything the wheels just fell off since then I yeah like. uh, it's i mean everybody deals with pressure in a different way like when you're thrown to the wolves there like you're yeah. you're working off of you know instincts and so hopefully we can pull some magic out of them this year and you know, bring, uh, bring, uh, bring the fight to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Chad, I can't mention uh, football without reminding you that we're a little over a month away from opening day, NFL, uh, Vikings Packers. Um, yeah. so it's on Chad. I think that, uh, I think that, you know, you guys got Zedarius Smith now, former Packer. You're trying to be a little bit more like the Packers. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that should be, that should be a lot of fun too. It's, it's every time though, Chad, you only, you only message me when the Vikings win the Vikings, you know, Packers win against the Vikings. I don't hear from Chad Weenan. If the Vikings um, upset the Packers, I do hear from Chad Weenan. It happens every time. Like we don't have the titles to talk about, you know, <laughs> we, or anything like that. So when we do things, big to a big team like that right. i gotta i gotta i gotta chirp a little <laughs> bit to you but i think this year like uh you know nicholas cage there at the packers aka aaron Rodgers. um yeah i think i think we're gonna be, be bringing some heat on him this year so i i'm excited to see what uh what we can bring and i think we have the first game is this weekend isn't it yeah uh, literally on the tv right now is the hall of fame game is it tonight? Jeez. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. So football season's around the corner. I'm excited. Uh, I'll be able to kick my feet up a little bit and watch some football on Sunday. I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so much fun. So, um, so yeah, it'll be fun to watch. And uh, and like I said earlier, um, just fun to relive all of this stuff with you, Chad. It's a blast. It's it's crazy for me, Chad, because you were as you looked at Doug Gust or, or name whoever, like that's how I looked at you. So now to be able to consider you a friend to have conversations like this and then conversations we can share with, you know, other people that, you know, enjoy uh, you and these memories as much as I do. It's just uh, it's a truly special thing. So I appreciate your, um, your time. So, so, so very much. I appreciate it so much, Bill. Uh, absolutely. I enjoy it too, Cody. Uh, question for you. Are we going to, you know, mosey down to Loretta's? Oh yeah. Next weekend. Yeah, we're yeah. in. Right. Yeah, the quad right. quads quads ready to go now, Chad. So we're right. so we're 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 at the races now. Now that the thing's ready to rip. 
Like, uh, how was, how was the weekend for you? It was good. Um, I felt better every time I was on the racetrack. Uh, so that was, that was good for me. Um, quad is amazing. It blows me away every time I ride it, the, and I've been saying this, but the, the length of the gears is impressive to me just based on the Honda having shorter gears. But the biggest thing that stands out to me is that that rear end on that thing is ridiculous. Yeah. That, that linkage setup is ridiculous. Um, and now I, I haven't really rode it on anything that's, uh, harder packed. Um, they yep. keep, they keep saying on the dirt bike coverage that Loretta's is harder packed this year than it's been over the, any of the last 10 years. So, uh, excited to see if that's how it is. I would love to see a little blue groove or something down at Loretta's mm-hmm. and see how it feels on a, on a hard pack track. But yeah, I've had a blast with the thing and I can't thank you enough. Um, you and Danica have been awesome to me as I put this thing together. And my only regret is that I didn't do it a little sooner. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's just been so much fun to ride. So, uh, just really yeah. enjoying, just really enjoying the ride right now. And, um, we put out the guide. So hopefully a more, you know, a few more people can follow in my, my footsteps just as I followed in yours on, uh, moving to the blue crew ride. It's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we could help. Um, I did notice the photo that you posted today. It looked like you're really clean. So did you get, like, did you rip a hole shot or? Like, I didn't. No, I didn't. No? I, I didn't get either hole shot. I think I started in like fourth or fifth or something in each moto. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I've got up to second Brett, Brett kicked my butt pretty good, but, uh, hopefully and he's in mid season form, you know, so I got, oh, yeah. I, got I got no shame in, in losing to him or anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully we can get a little closer at Loretta's and, um, I'm going to change my gearing a little bit. I think, uh, going to go maybe a little bigger in the rear, but, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe that can help me get a little bit better starts, but yeah, it's been, been an awesome nice. experience. It, I told you over the weekend that it's a, it's a spark, you know, I, yeah. I rode, I rode Hondas for 15 years or whatever. Um, so it's just a lot of fun and it felt like home right away. I mean, the thing feels so good. It felt like home right away. So it's been, been an awesome experience. Yeah. Well, good word. We'll see you down there. Sounds good, Chad. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Later, Coach. You're the man. That's Chad Weenan right here on the Digging Deep ATMX podcast brought to you by Binkies Forever ATC Museum. Have a good night, pal. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. We used to speak of a CST takeover, but now 2022 is the year of CST supremacy. CST's Pulse MXR tires are the choice of Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Nick Janusa, meaning CST tire riders are in contention for pro-class wins and a possible podium sweep every time they hit the racetrack. CST tires are also the official tire choice of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, but you already knew that. I, your host Cody Jansen, helped pioneer the CSD takeover with Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears on my way to back-to-back national championships and a pro sport podium to cap off the 2021 season. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offer the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Did I mention they offer contingency payouts as well? Visit shop.cst tires to join the CSD takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many more believe and trust in CSD tires. Do you? You already know we're Team Blue Crew now more than ever here at the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. And whether it's eight time and reigning ATVMX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, who with his next championship will become the winningest champion in ATV motocross history, 
or seven-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, who is now tied for second all-time in titles won, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFZ450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This continued and unprecedented success for the Yamaha YFZ450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undisputable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has resulted in an ever-growing Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Best yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and stronger than ever here in 2022, meaning Yamaha riders will once again cash in on payouts and prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them at Yamaha Outdoors on social media, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big-time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best-looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time world champion top fuel drag racer Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID and their wide range of championship winning chains. From the street to the track and everywhere in between, DID chains are designed to give you the optimal riding experience with great performance and increased chain life. Consistent to the core, pick up your box of reliability today. DID, what drives you? We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Namira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Namira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, industry-leading top-end repair kits, and recently added connecting rods, visit your local dealer or online at www.namira.com. Namira Technologies your one-stop shop engine component supplier. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals and cylinders, shock and suspension parts, winches, clutch kits, valves, carb kits, bearing kits, and drive chain parts, Bronco is your hard parts source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. 
All right, back here with Casey Greek on the Digging Deep ATDMX podcast, talking Redbud 2022. And Casey, uh, hard to believe we only have two motos remaining in this crazy 2022 season. Joel Hetrick maintains a 28-point lead uh, heading into the finale, and he could legitimately wrap this thing up in the first moto or following the first moto at Loretta's, Casey. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's um, it's huge for him. And, you know, I – I think Joel's turned into a little bit of a numbers guy. So I think he's wanting to try to knock that down and get it, get it done the first moto. And I think the way it boils down is if Joel was to finish second, the first moto at Loretta's, he would have it wrapped up because it'd give him 25 points. Um, there's not a way technically to lose 25 points right. right now because of, you know, the amount of guys that we have in the class. Yep. So I think he would still end up winning the championship, you know, if he was dead last or something you know, worst case scenario, it would be, you know, in the second moto, he would still probably have a seven or eight point lead to, to exactly. lock the thing up completely. So I think it's the goal is to go out at Loretta's. And I think if the starts there, I guess this is just me thinking this isn't nothing factual by any means, but it's just me thinking, I think if I was in the situation and then I was, you know, at my prime, like these two guys are, I think you go out and you try to get the start. If the start's not there, you settle in for second. Mm-hmm. You don't put yourself into any kind of risky situation. And and not that I feel like if Joel tried to make a pass on Chad, say, I don't think Chad's going to go for the kill type of thing or kill might be a little harsh word, but like the takeout or something shady like that. I just don't see that out of Chad. He's too professional for that stuff. Yep. But you just don't put yourself in that position. You don't try to make a pass. You definitely don't try to make a pass around the outside. You just play it smart. You ride it in, you lock the thing up, and then you can go out in the second moto and you can do whatever you want. You can ride around with your finger in there and celebrate for the entire moto if you want, or you can go out and try to win the thing and, you know, just prove a point and get that next overall. Um, I think as of right now, if Chad was to win the overall at Loretta's, that would actually tie them on overalls. It'd be five, five. Yep. I think Joel might have a couple more moto wins to his name for the year, but you know, I think for Joel, he wants to make it that a six, four and have more moto wins and kind of put the exclamation point on the championship for him. I think that's probably, what he's looking at and I don't see I, I foresee that's kind of a good chance of the way things could go mm-hmm. I mean but that's why we race we have no idea we can't tell the future yeah for sure so it's crazy that I mean Joel has been on an absolute another level this year and it's crazy to think how you know, absolutely like ridiculously consistent Joel Hattrick has been this season. So wrap your head around this. I have a, I have some numbers here. So Chad Weenan has won four of the last five events during that five event stretch. He actually lost points to Joel Hattrick. That's how consistent Joel has been. So Chad made up one point at Ironman when he won in the mud there, he made up one point. He won at sunset Ridge, but they tied and uh, tied in points, split motos. At Briarcliff, that was the backbreaker during the stretch for Chad, of course, when he lost eight points with three two-moto finishes. Uh, Max out, outlasted him there in that first moto. He actually made up six points with the sweep at Pleasure Valley, and then they tied again this weekend at Redbud. But isn't that crazy? Four overalls in the last five events, but Joel was so consistent during that time that he actually, Chad Weenan, that is, actually lost a point during that stretch. That's how good Joel Hetrick has been. He's been the one that's been the picture of consistency this year when maybe in, in years past or whatever, we'd 
see Joel have an issue or two. I mean, Chad Weenan, the, what the, the separator really at this point is that fifth at the, at the opener for him at the, the bad start at Daytona, the second race that we had in Texas, he had that little get off or where he um, stuffed it in a berm and ended up fourth in a moto and ended up third overall. And then, and then getting third in a moto at Briarcliff. Like it's those little things that have added up to a 28 point advantage for Joel Hattrick and Joel Hattrick has been one or two in every moto every week. And you know, it's swell to a, a 28 point lead going into the finale. It's just crazy though, to think that how consistent he's been. And again, he stopped the bleeding chat on paper one for the last five you'd think he'd made up a bunch of points and he didn't at all so it's it's really just crazy to see where joel hetrick has gotten he's on an entirely new level than we've ever seen him at this year yeah and i can't it's exactly and i can't remember the year i want to say maybe 17 um uh, i can't remember it but it it somewhat kind of went like this i think Joel had an issue at Texas and ended up fifth or seventh overall. And then he had another small issue somewhere else. And then Joel won on absolute, absolute terror, but he wasn't making up any points. And he's winning overall. I think he ended up winning six or seven overalls that year. He was winning all the first motos and then Chad would step in and win the second moto. They were splitting or it was, no, it was vice versa. Chad would win the first moto. Joel would win the second moto. Yeah. Joel would win the overall, get the first money type of thing, but he wasn't making up any real points because of the way the point system works and and just their flip-flopping motos constantly. And it, it's kind of gotten to that same thing. I mean, if you, if you take, you know, this thing would be even closer if you take out that fifth and that third for Chad. And that's crazy to think that those are after <laughs> pivotal moments in the series. Right. But when you look at Joel's record, I mean, it's just one or two. Mm-hmm. It's ones and twos. It's all it's always got there. And his consistency and is just huge. And I think when Joel came off the track at Daytona, and this is something I'll probably never forget, he wasn't happy that he won the race. I mean, he was happy, obviously, that he won on the race. But what he was the happiest about, in all honesty, because I think that race has bit him enough times, it's like he's either wins or he has a catastrophic day. Mm-hmm. He he looked at us and we we're all standing there congratulating him. And he's like, "How's that for consistency? How's that for being mature? How's that for watching how you ride?" Like that's what that the first things he said. And and it wasn't like he was just saying it to be a smart ass. Like he was saying that with passion. Yeah. Because I think there's times that he's heard it so many times. Oh, you need to be more consistent or whatever. You know, not even from his inner group. I think all of us know. Like when Joel goes to the line, like it's all out. Like everything's on there and that's why he's as good as he is. But I think he's just heard it from the, the, the world around him, you know, not his inner group so much. And I think for him, he proved that to himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge thing. And then I think that set the tone for him for this entire year. And obviously we can see that. Oh yeah. He, again, he, he just, to think that he got as much better as he did from last year to this year is a crazy thought because, you know, last, last year, he's, you know, obviously arguably the best or one of the best in the world. And now we have him at a whole nother level. So kind of like you just said, tying that up to think that for Chad Weenan, a fifth at the opener, a fourth in a moto and a third overall in Texas, and then a moto in Ohio where Max Linquist was able to hold him off that those three instances were, I mean, doesn't sound catastrophic, but it basically was catastrophic. That's 
all it took for Joel to get that, that giant lead. And then, like you said, he's been so consistent, Uh, but that's how great Joel Hattrick has been this year. Um, If not for those three instances, it's probably be single digits. Um, But yeah, that's, that's not the way that the story is going to go down. So uh, another storyline, Casey, uh, the most interesting battle to watch, I would say. And I said that on our little preview that we did on the last episode was the battle for third, the, the third place battle at the event. And obviously the top three in points standings battle as well uh, we saw some epic battles between these guys this weekend brandon hogue came in in the driver's seat by podiuming three of the last four races and he exited uh in the driver's seat as well from red but he actually extended his points lead from seven to ten over uh fourth place despite not making the podium uh this past weekend four four for brandon hogue and the the story in the battle for third really changed by the moto so nick janusa looked better than ever in qualifying then he followed that up by uh, you know, basically being in his bag. I said on social media and Moto One, Nick passed both Brandon Hogue and Jeffrey Australia on his way to grabbing the third place position and running away with it in that opening moto. So before we move on to Moto Two, Nick Janusa was solid, was awesome all day. But I think honestly, I think that first moto might have been, and we've seen him podium, you know, we've seen him, you know, have some totally in control races. I I remember um Sunset Ridge last year i believe it was last year he was just third place all day smashed it he killed it uh but man that first moto to think to pass brandon hogue to pass jeffrey Rastrelli, to run off on those guys and be the clear cut third fastest guy in the moto uh, it's worth mentioning here because he freaking slayed it uh ends up fifth overall we'll get into that but man um he was he was awesome nick janusa was awesome on this day at redbud yeah and, and he had he had the vibe all day i mean it was like first qualifier he went out and was was on spot, and then I truly didn't think there was no way the second qualifier was going to end up faster. And then I, those guys all the clicked a lot times. I'm like, it's going to get rougher. Like the ruts are going to be deeper. You guys are going to get drugged down more. There's no way, you know. There there was even some things that we did and like made some, you know, made some like not crazy calls, but just trying some stuff different for the second qualifier. Just because I didn't, I thought it was going to be the same as what the first qualifier was, and the times weren't going to go down, and and they yeah. did. I was proven wrong, um, right away. Because I mean, it was it just seemed like those guys were doing it, but no. I, Nick wrote awesome. He sent me a text Saturday night. I didn't get to see him after the moto, and like he was kind of bummed. And I'm like, dude, was. what what were you bummed out about? Like you, that's the best you've wrote all year. You, uh, you know, I mean, he. Like you said, he passed Brandon, he passed Jeffrey, and and checked out on those guys. And when he did it, he almost made it look effortless. I'm like, man, at one point I'm looking at it, and I'm kind of watching lap times, and I'm seeing him pick up his aggression. I'm like, he could make a bid for Chad at some point, possibly, because he was riding that good. I mean, he, you know, he got after the moto, he, he was pretty stoked up, and he's like, yep, Sandman. He's like, this is what I ride all the time. Like, he was all fired up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate to see him not end up with that podium this year, you know, or so far this year, there's still another chance here, but, you know, you can look at his results. They've just consistently, you know, gotten better and he's put himself, he's right in this battle for third through sixth, really. I mean, mm-hmm. they're all, they're tight. I mean, it's getting a little bit more open. I mean, Brandon put himself in a good position this weekend, made up a little points. He's got a 10 point cushion now with two motos to go. So it's a little bit different, but they're still, I mean, Jeffrey Bryce and Nick are tight. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I got the same message or the same feeling from Nick after the races. I think it was Saturday night or Sunday. He shoots me a message out of the blue and basically says, you know, he's bummed. He's bummed how it all played out. And I'm, and I'm sure any competitor is going to feel that way right after you smash it in the first moto, you kill it, you get third, you know, you run through the, the top competitors in that grouping and you obviously are thinking, Hey, I'm going to go do it again in the second moto and, and grab a podium. I mean, so I, I understand that podium is so important, such a big deal to these guys and, and rightfully so. Um, but he still killed it on the day. So in moto two, uh, that trio flip-flopped. So uh, basically they created a three-way tie for third in points where Nick would end up fifth overall. Like we said, with three, five scores, Brandon, uh, he goes, um, four, four. So he again, tied in points with, uh, Nick Janusa there. And then Jeffrey matches them in points as well, but he grabs the podium spot on the day with five, three moto finishes, getting the tiebreaker there in that second moto. And man, was that second moto impressive for Jeffrey Rastrelli and, and at the midway point, And I said this to Jeffrey, I feel like we were able to start to see uh, Brandon kind of, you know, sensing the blood in the water, maybe that he was going to be a little stronger down the stretch. And there's nothing tougher than having, you know, to hold off a coming rider, especially if you know that that rider can sense that rider senses some blood in the water and Jeffrey never wavered. He ran his, he hit his marks. He ran his pace. He ran his lines and he was able to hold off Brandon Hogue and earn that, that, third overall position there and that was absolutely incredible like he that was the best race i've seen from jeffrey it feels like in a long long time i mean he was crazy impressive in that second moment yeah he put himself where he needed to right out of the right out of the gate and you know got a good start and those guys i mean they battled tooth and nail the whole time and you know i think we're all you know we're sitting there watching that battle we're like okay you know brandon would make up a little bit of time but then jeffrey would stretch it back out Jeffrey might stretch it out a little bit further. Brandon would catch up a little bit. Like it was to the nail. And I think he kind of nailed it with, you know, that was one of the better motos we've seen from Jeffrey this year. I mean, he's got, you know, that, that was his third podium. No, hold on. I'm looking at the wrong guys here. That was one, two. Yeah. Third podium this year. And, you know, I think for Jeffrey, it came at the right time. You know, he's been putting a lot of pressure on himself. Pleasure Valley didn't quite go the way he had planned, you know, having a, a technical difficulty there. And, you know, I think he's fired up and a, a ball of confidence rolling into Loretta's. And I think um, when you get a hot Jeffrey, it's always a good Jeffrey. And I think um, it's showing, you know, to, to hold on and, and to last that second moto at Redbud when the track is that gnarly. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things for, for Jeffrey. It's just going to build the confidence and it shows, you know, how intense these guys are and what kind of shape they're actually in. Agreed. Agreed. hundred percent. I mean, when he does it in the toughest conditions, I think that that really validates all the, the decisions and changes and sacrifices that him and Nikki have made in their lives. So I, I feel like that's a, an awesome thing for those guys. So we got Jeffrey coming up on the show here. Let's kick it to him now. And then we'll uh, get back to, to finish up our coverage of the races here. As the number one podcast in ATB racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed the client's expectations for service and setup. 
Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. Hey everyone, this is Larry Mills, president of DP Breaks North America and proud partner of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. We at DP Brakes are a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology, dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. This year's lineup includes Jeff Rastrelli, Mark Baldwin and Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, and many more, including Mr. Digging Deep himself, Cody Jansen, plus all the top 17 GNCC pros such as seven-time champion Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Hunter Hart, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and previous champion Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on top of the podium week after week. DP Brakes are available through www.dp-brakes.com or you can purchase them through your local parts and limited stocking dealer or you can even message us, myself, Larry Mills, or DP Brakes on Instagram or Facebook. And if you have any questions about product or sponsorship support, please ask us. We are waiting for you. Join the best ATV riders in the world equipped with DP Brakes and have a great year, everyone. Nearing two decades into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back and better than ever, continuing to make major waves in the ATV world. For the third consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for two-time champ Joel Hetrick. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of industry-leading products available for all makes and models. Head over to factory43atv.com today. Success in the ATV MX world is similar to what creates financial success as well. The right people, the right advice, and more importantly, hard work and the benefit of an ongoing relationship as situations change and adversity is experienced. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? Haymower Financial Group can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help your family prepare for whatever life brings. Call me, Scott Haymower, at Haymower Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, at 920-338-8150. That's 920-338-8150. 
Offices located in beautiful De Pere, Wisconsin, with registrations and clients nationwide. All right, guys, this next guest absolutely slayed it this weekend. Stoked to have him join me here on the podcast. Brought to you by Blenzall, the oil choice of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. To learn more about Blenzall's rich history or to shop Blenzall's full line of racing lubricants, visit Blenzall.com and follow them at Blenzall on Instagram. Coming off the latest podium finish of his career, the 24th podium finish of his professional career. Say hello to Mr. Jeffrey Rastrelli. What's up, buddy? Welcome back to the show and congrats on a killer weekend at the races. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cody. Uh, really stoked to be back on here. It's been a little bit, so uh, let's dive into it. So I was just telling you, actually, before I hit record on this thing, Jeffrey, chatting about the races, bench racing, if you will, is always fun. But I would have to believe that you know nothing beats discussing race weekends that you know you'll probably remember, you know, fondly fifty years from now. I think uh, that that's exactly what this weekend was for you. You're never going to forget this latest podium uh, finish of your career here. Yeah, it was a tough one, you know, um, first moto struggled a little bit. And then we really, we came out fourth, second moto and, uh, made a quick pass into third. And, um, I knew on the hot lap, like I found some lines and I knew what lines I was going to hit every lap and found, uh, some, some lines I could sit down for a little bit. That was like a key for me, uh, that second moto. Cause like the legs were, were already well worked after the first one. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's going to be very, a very fond memory. I'm very excited that we got on the podium. Finally, it's been a little bit. I know that we didn't gain any points on Hogue, which is unfortunate, but uh, heck, uh, the, uh, the podium's always a podium, man. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's no, no better way to cap a race day like that. I feel like those are the memories that probably get cemented in your mind as a professional racer, those podium uh, experiences, especially because, you know, it wasn't that long ago, Jeffrey, that man, it felt like, felt like no matter what you did, you couldn't get up there and now look at it. Like you have three so far this year, you're in contention at every race. I mean, man, that's just gotta be such a great feeling for you. You have to, and we talked about this already a little bit, but you have to appreciate these podiums more than ever before. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's obviously a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with your own program that nobody, like nobody has any idea, you know, everybody thinks that, um, you know, and not like to down amateurs or down anybody like that, but, you know, to make four laps of the bikes, one thing to go there and make 25 minutes that long and have no mechanicals and have nothing happen is a, a whole other thing. And, um, you know, I don't have a mechanic. I don't have anything like it's just me. And like, I do all my bike work like DJ does on uh, from rocket does on Fridays. If we need to like put a motor in the race bike or something like that, but all the practice stuff, like I have three bikes now and I got to maintain them all myself. And, um, just like that extra pressure showing up on, on Friday, setting, setting up all the tents, um, making sure everything's right, selling, trying to sell parts and people coming up and, you know, needing this and needing that. And I got to get this, I got to go there, I got over here. I got to get, it's, uh, it's just really crazy Fridays, man. Like it's probably the toughest, the, probably the toughest year I've ever had in that aspect of, of everything. Just, um, just always going, like, there's never like a time where I can go on Friday and be like, you know what? Like I can relax today. Right. Thank Hey, so, so do you, do you remember, like, do you now remember back to when you were on these teams in the past and be like, man, I don't know how good I had it. I didn't know how good I had it at a time. Oh yeah. There's no doubt about it. Like even with Baldwin and, you know, I was on JB and, um, you know, that, that stuff, even then like that, I had to do tire balls on Friday. So that was never fun. Like Mark always used to do them. Okay. uh, So did JB. So, (laughs) and now, and now they both do them, which I'm a little upset about uh they do it for their fighters <laughs> jv doesn't for cody and then mark doesn't for bryce so i don't know i'm a little upset about it but uh no it was like 
on Phoenix, man, it was really awesome. Cause like, I didn't have to do anything. Like it showed up ready and Jim would Jim Hardy at my mechanic last year would kind of go over it a little bit. And I didn't have to do really anything. I didn't have to set up to 10. I didn't have to help do nothing. So it was definitely, I had a good, uh, for the past two years and, um, mm-hmm. like it, there's no doubt about it, but, um, it makes it that much sweeter this year to know that, yeah. that, uh, I'm, I'm doing all these things I'm working. I'm, you know, me and my wife are running the business, trying to, you know, sell parts and, and, um, you know, sending out shocks and doing motors and doing top ends myself and, yeah. and just keeping up with everything in, in that, uh, in, in that sense is, is really tough. It's really mm-hmm. tough for me, especially, you know, just doing, doing it for like the first year. It's like, um, you know, you don't really know what to expect. You're like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I mean, it's that bad. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. Like, like, it's just a constant job, man. Like, it's just constant. It's over and over. You wake up and it's like, whew, I got a lot to do today. You know, it's like right. every day. But, um, yeah. you know, this, uh, after this podium, I took, I took a day off and, uh, me and the wife, uh, went and had a good day and it was, it was like a relief, you know, and finally get it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's good. Good. You deserve that, man. So we speculated kind of coming into the year and I kept telling you, uh, that you were, probably going to experience higher highs because like all this is on you. Just like you said, you know, bike maintenance, the, the all the decisions, the business, all this stuff. Um, so now we, we have experienced that for, you know, nine rounds of a 10 round season. And I would think, and yes, the, the stress is daunting. I'm sure that the, the weight on your shoulders is a lot at the same time. Like I'm sure you think of it as when you succeed, the business succeeds when you succeed. And, and this is how it was in the past. I mean, when you succeed, um, Nikki succeeds and the family succeeds. But now when you, when you get on the podium, like you did this weekend, I mean, man, that just promotes your business that much more. Like there's exponential more good things that come from that. And I have to believe, like I was saying before, like these have to be the highest of highs for you because it wasn't just show up at the racetrack, ride my quad, get on the podium. That's awesome. But now it's, I have my hands on every single aspect of my race program and we pushed all the right buttons to put it on the podium. And that's got to make it that much more special. Plus man, you're the group that you've put together with obviously your family still being there, but rocket and all the great sponsors and supporters you have backing you, man, like, there's just no feeling like doing it for your crew and doing it with a crew that you've hand selected. And that's just such a special thing. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And like, it wouldn't be possible without like CSU tires, of course, and FXR gear. Like you've seen that gear. Like I know you're Thor sponsored, but you got to admit that's some good stuff. It, it, it looks uh, nice. It, it looks, looks nice. It looks really nice. It fits well. And um, you know, that, and then integrated financial, um, I always say concepts, but I think it's, it's concepts, right? Solutions. Yes. I always get that mixed up. Integrated financial concepts. One. Yeah. Concepts. Yep. Sorry, Mike. Love you, man. I, <laughs> I, I shot not shot you out, but like <laughs> that and um, like rocket, of course, it's been huge. I'm actually staying here now um, yep. at rocket and um, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're a good team, man. And uh, SSI decals and like all these people like Ian stepped up huge for me this year uh-huh. and uh, AB stepping back into the program and, all that stuff so it's definitely huge but also i don't know if you've seen my video and i came over the finish line to sakamoto like i won the freaking thing yeah all right that's how much it means i mean i was full fist bump i mean that was like i was hyped because dude and, and um, it, it i not to interrupt but it made fine. it made the hair on my arm stand up watching your dad watching how excited your dad was running from the fence you know towards the podium like it yeah. just brings me and i and i think I, we talked about this in the off season but it just brings me kind of back to that 
when you're a kid feeling or when it's like amateur and it's like, it's like, that's all that matters, you know, yeah. in that moment. And that's just such a special thing, especially like, and I think about this now, but you know, you look at like your dad, your parents are still there. And you look at so many of these guys, like still, I mean, you look at, you know, Chad's family is there and, you know, like there's just so many of like, it's just such a family atmosphere, family deal. And that's just, man, like, I feel like that's maybe something that doesn't even get covered enough. We talk about it being a family sport, but to think, yeah, you know, we're, you're in your upper twenties, I'm 30. Like your, your parents are still at the races with you. Like these memories, like how special is that? It just, it doesn't get better. It's very special, you know, and um, to, to know like what we went through mid season and how much of a struggle it was. And we were on that slump, like mm -hmm. to put that second motor together was, um, was very special for us. And I think it was very special for the, the points thing too. I mean, to go into Loretta's knowing that, uh, you know, I'm back and that I can do it. And especially mm -hmm. in the roughest track of the year, man, like, yeah. I mean, you rode that place, that place was <laughs> brutal. So people yeah. were saying, people were saying that they thought it was the roughest red bud that they've seen. Ever. So is that, that what you thought? Not just too? the roughest red bud to me, like it was the roughest track we've ever raced. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Like it wasn't like just the roughest red bud, like Millville. Nah, they couldn't compare to that. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't even think maybe Southwick would be something, but like that was way back and I didn't even ride a 450 or anything. So that was like, you know, I, I don't know. I couldn't compare to it. I was riding a 90, uh, right, a 90 yeah. GT and we went in the first couple of motos. So it was smooth sand track. So like right. for me personally, I think that was the roughest track you've ever raced. And um, yeah, just pull it off and know that the fitness was there. Like, oh, yeah, heck yeah. I was exhausted, but like I, I lasted that whole moto and, even with two laps to go, I was able to put a little more gap on me and Brandon and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, go a little faster than I thought I could. And it's just, it means that much more to me, like, um, to be able to pull it off there, especially just cause it was so brutal and, and so gnarly. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. So first moto, you finished fifth behind, uh, behind Brandon and, um, your buddy, Nick Janusa there, and then roles were reversed in that second moto, uh, for you three, basically inverting from the first moto. So you rip another good hole shot basically you get into third, you run third, basically wire to wire, but Brandon ran within, you know, within a second or two or three for basically the entire moto. So explain to the listeners what that's like to have someone as good as Brandon, you know, shading you for nearly 25 minutes. Like, I feel like it's hard to even put into words what kind of pressure that can feel like and you were able to not let it really fluster or bother you you said to me on sunday you said a little bit here already that you just ran your lines you ran the smart lines you had a feeling right from the sight lap and man like you weren't deterred and that i feel like is just such a huge thing like on just like you were saying roughest track of the year roughest track that you can remember running your lines running being able to hold off that charge do your own thing like man that's just got to make this such a monumental podium for you, I would think. I mean, to, and for I said sure. to you, and I said to you on Sunday, you could see Brandon trying to put a push in and you weren't having any of it. You were able to keep that gap at bay. And there's, there can't be anything more rewarding than that. That that's, I guess, what it comes down to for me. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the first moto was a real big learning curve too. Like, like I was struggling a little bit with setup. Like we, we went back and changed everything for the second moto. I mean, in all honesty, like we've changed, we changed everything. So okay. the rear shock, we did some adjustments with the rear shock, but we did a lot with the front end. I felt like I was not so much with the shocks, but like, uh, from, from pleasure Valley, it was a brand new bike at pleasure Valley. And me and JB set up the whole front end at his house. I mean, of course, like everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. yep. And then we rechecked it 
before the second moto and the front end was out of whack like crazy and i was struggling with it the first moto and i didn't know what was wrong so we changed shocks went to a much softer setup and then we changed the whole front end i actually laid my front end back a little bit made it less twitchy okay and um like dude it was it was the bee's knees and uh it really it really paid off for that second moto and um also like like i was saying about learning the first moto it was um i knew down at the bottom after the mechanics area you go by the mechanics area you take the left the right and you do the step down you just step down in that left hand corner there the outside and jumping that double was a little bit quicker overall but i got passed there by brandon the 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 first moto i passed him first he had me pass i passed him back on the inside okay and then he did it to me later in the race went to the inside as i was going the outside and passed me i knew if if like i held him off there that there was not many other places he could really motor by me if I didn't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. So that's what I concentrated on most. I didn't go as fast as I probably could have. I probably could have picked the pace up a little bit, but I didn't want to make a mistake out there because the first moto I made a mistake and allowed Janusa to go by me in the whoops. So I jumped in the inside and I blew the inside out and went on the outside and he went by me. And once that happened, I kind of started riding a little tighter, like don't make a mistake. So I slowed my pace and that allowed Brandon to get by me. And, um, yeah, I think the first moto was like a learning curve. Like it was like, this is what you did learn from that and take it into the second moto and fix it. And um, like, I just seen some lines on the hot lap and I was like, this line I'm going to take if, like after the whoops, there's a middle line before that tabletop. Yep. And it was smooth as glass. It was just some ruts and there was not one bump in it. And like, I knew like I was going to take that every freaking lap. As long as I get to the whoops good, he's not going to pass. Me. Right. And I got to the whoops good. Um, I don't know how many laps he did, but say, you know, 95% of the time I got to the whoops good and I knew I can relax a little bit there through that corner and just some other things like after the Rocco's, there was like a middle line that nobody was taking. They were taking either the outside or the inside. And I was able to take the middle and fade outside. And there was just a couple little bumps, um, just things like that. Just um, little things that I seen that I was able to, you know, I knew that everybody's going to be worn out as well because mm-hmm. that first moto was brutal. Mm-hmm. And um, like just trying to find this, the smoothest line possible. And that was fast and, and put it all together and it ended up working out. Yeah. And you could watch those other guys catch on to what you were doing. You know, that line after the whoop section where you were able to then jump that tabletop, no problem, carry a yep. bunch of speed down into the LaRocco's corner. And basically for the entire race on that whole side of the racetrack, those two guys just followed your lines. Like they obviously would have wanted to run a different line, but you had the line so dialed that they could do nothing but just fall in line with you. Yeah. There was no other choice really. I felt like you could have moved a little bit, but it was rough and it was um, going to take more out of them. And I know that, uh, you know, they, it was just brutal. I know those guys had to be tired just like I was, you know, uh-huh. so um, yeah. man, we all work our butts off. So it's just a matter of who gets out front in the beginning and just runs consistent laps and runs good lines. And um, mm-hmm. that's what we did. We just put it all together and it was an awesome feeling and uh, to definitely go out there and, and just get on the box again, man. Like, um, and just shed a little light. Like nobody knows that, I had two severely sprained thumbs through the whole middle of the season. Like, like so bad. Like I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't like a ratchet strap. I couldn't squeeze a ratchet strap to unclip a ratchet strap. Like I, they were bad. They were real bad. Like I probably shouldn't have ride a road. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, what well, you think you broke? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Cause I didn't go to the doctor. So like, just to go through that, like what happened at the high point wreck and the whole shot, I really severely sprained my right thumb. Okay. Like the whole second, that whole second moto after I did it, of course, adrenaline's rushing. Like, that didn't bother me. I was running the same lap times as Chad, that whole moto. Like, I feel like we would have duked it out if um, I would have got a start. Um, 
And then a week later at Briarcliff, I had a practice crash and, and sprained my other thumb. I've never sprained my thumbs ever in my life. And I sprained two back to back and I couldn't hardly use them, man. So like going into corners and obviously pushing back on the handlebars, your thumbs get a lot of feedback mm-hmm. and, oh, they would just, that would just kill me. That would kill me. So practicing was tough. Racing was really tough to try to pick up the pace. I had to be kind of light on my hands. I couldn't do what I needed to do. So um, to come back from that and, um, you know, get, get over it. And it was like the weirdest thing. It was like, uh, I took one week off and it was like, I had this, this whole time, you know, three, four rounds, three rounds that they were severely hurt. And I took a week off after, um, I think it was Barcliff. We had a little break in yep. between a few week break. Yep. I took a week off of that race and it was like, Oh, they're healed. And it was like, I got a snap of a finger and then I was able to kind of put things back together and, you know, pleasure Valley, we were riding good. We had a mechanical, but um, I think that race would have been a little bit better for us if we didn't have that mechanical first moto, but yeah, just, just a little bit of a struggle in the, in the middle of the year, you know, kind of, uh, you know, something that everybody was like, what's going on. And I couldn't really explain it. I wasn't going in with my mind in a hundred percent because obviously I'm hurt. Um, not being able to do what I need to do on the bike and being able to break really hard and, and to be able to, to, to push on the handlebar with my right arm really hard or my left arm. So I had to pull a lot and sure. wear me out a little bit and just, just little things like that. Like, um, and just nagging little injuries, but, um, yeah, we finally put it all together and got back up there and it was, uh, it was a tremendous feeling. I mean, I can't, it's irreplaceable, of course, you know, to know that, like you said, to, they were on my, my tail the whole time. And, um, I was able just to hold it at bay and, um, even the two lap board came out and I even put a little gap on them when the two board came out. Like that was even, that was even more exciting. Like mm-hmm. to know that I had that little bit extra left in the tank to be able to, to um, pull a gap on them with two laps to go and that kind of track. So I'm excited for the next round. And uh, I think it'll, it'll, it'll be a good one for sure. Well, it's, it's credit to you guys too. credit to you and Nikki, that whole program, because you know, you, you, it's no secret that you guys have, you know, changed a lot of stuff with your lifestyle and, and your diet. And you can look at you and tell the difference and all these things. And when, you know, it's, you can see it, you can see the payoff on the track, like that late in a brutal moto like that, that justifies the decisions that you guys made. And that's just gotta be, man, such a, such a good feeling. Cause you, you're out there sacrificing so that, on Saturdays late in races, it pays off. And, and again, um, to see that those sacrifices are worth it and, and verified, like that's gotta be a pretty special feeling too. And, you know, I think, and I think we kind of see that the thing that I love about these podiums with you is we see these images of you. I shared one the other day of just the raw emotion that you have when, when you earned one of these things and we see more emotion from you than I feel like just about anybody else. And I love that. And I think in that moment, you can see how much it means and what the sacrifice means and, and, and those things, but there's nothing like sacrificing in, and then experiencing the payoff. Like that's one of the greatest sensations in life and you're out there experiencing it. And, and that's, uh, like I said, a really special thing. Absolutely. I mean, just, just to think of, you know, a couple of years ago, me thinking about retiring from a sport and, mm-hmm. um, I was in a big slump in, in my life and in my career, just because of, uh, how I was, I was doing and how I was feeling. I wasn't doing very good, you know, health wise. And, uh, just to go from that and to go here to, um, you know, not getting, um, rehired by Phoenix and having to make a choice, either quit or do your own program and, um, putting it all together. And obviously there's a lot of help from a lot of people, but, uh, yeah, it was like a, it was a big step in my life and, um, to, to go out there and be able to do it with my team and m- with, you know, my decisions and, 
everything that I do is why, you know, every, all my choices are why that's happening. Um, you know, between shock testing and like, I call Casey, like I was just on the phone with them two minutes before we got on a thing to do some changes, try to be better for Loretta's and, um, you know, going out there and I worked on wrenched on the race bike this morning a little bit to, uh, get it ready for next weekend, um, pressure washing the practice bike for motos last night. And, you know, just, it's, uh, I got to work on that when we get done here and, and go ride this afternoon. So just like to know that, you know, all the choices that we're making, not all of them, obviously, cause there's obviously bumps in the road, but most of the choices that we're making are the right ones. And we're, uh, we're doing, doing the right things to with training. And, um, you know, obviously that's always a thing to figure out, you know, what's the right training and what's the right amount and to balance it all and um, balance life and, balance business and balance practice and balance training. It's a, it's a big deal. So we're, uh, we're nailing it. I feel like, and, uh, she's doing a really good job with it. You know, we've been living in a motor home for three months, so she's, she's doing well, um, with all of this and can't give her enough credit for, for being by my side and, uh, my family too, being super supportive. And I think they're more supportive now than they've ever been. Cause they know how hard I'm, I'm working, whether my results showed it in the mid season or not, like right. they got to know that I'm, I'm doing all I can. And, uh, I never slack and, um, that's, that's all I can do, man. Like sometimes I beat myself up over it, you know, like all mid season, I knew I was a little hurt, but being hurt gives it, you know, no justice on, to me, you know, nobody can see that I'm hurt. Nobody knows how I'm feeling. So mm -hmm. to me, I had to do better. Even, even though I was, you know, my thumbs were severely, severely hurt. I was like, I'm not, it's not enough. And I just kept pushing. Um, you know, I just wanted to be better for everybody. And, um, sometimes that's just, uh, all you can do. And, um, you know, we're still here and somehow it worked out. We're still here in the bite off for third points. And, right. um, you know, it, I think that we should have, uh, not be in it from the mid season slump we had, but mm -hmm. thankfully for me that my competitors also had that mid season slump. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of been back and forth like crazy and, um, yeah, we're, we're in it. We're in fourth now. And, um, it, it paid off, like just never giving up and always trying to do the right thing. And, uh, like we always talk about it, putting positive energy out and usually you get positive energy back. So um, that's all I've been, that's my goal right now. And uh, with business and everything, you know, trying to do all that and give yeah. out, do the best I can for my customers. And just, I think everybody's happy with what we got going on and uh, just going to keep trying to plug away and keep doing that, man. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think back to late 2020, 2020, uh, I believe that would have been the year that you and I chatted at um, three palms late in the year there and tears in your eyes. Like you were done. You even said as much, you said, you know, I'm done. I'm I'm exhausted of this, all these things. You were ready to quit. Then, you know, I think, I think some of it was influenced by their change to Yamaha, right? Like that had a little bit of, of, oh, yeah. uh, influence there. So it kind of is, I, I say all the time, like, it's just things happen for a reason. Everything happens the way it's supposed to that maybe kept you in the fold. Then we get into, you know, you're going to go it on your own. You make that hard decision. And I remember telling you like, Hey, like this is, this is kind of where Chad was when he started, you know, weaning motorsports and the whole Yamaha program and all these things. And now look at you now it's not hard to think of like to, to picture you doing this for a number of years like this, because you're clearly having fun. You're in the fold, you're um, back being successful, having podiums like this rejuvenates you that much more. And as far as Rastrelli racing goes and the business and all these things, I mean, the hardest days are the initial days. I don't, I don't have to explain that to you. The hardest days are 
are establishing the business. Then after that, it gains some momentum with every race and every year. And, and it then will eventually sustain itself. And I would think that, I mean, this has, you know, breathed a, a lot of good, you know, clean air and life into your program. And I would think that you have, you know, a uh, plan to hopefully be around for a number of years yet. And that was not the case two years ago. It was the exact opposite. You were ready to walk on the spot. Yeah, for sure. And um, with the support of all my sponsors, like uh, I'm going in and talking to them about what I'm doing and yep. able to actually um, try to make a living doing this and is, is um, obviously a game changer for me. And they've supplied that for me, um, you know, FXR and, and rocket and um, CST and all these, um, these guys and SSI helps tremendously with all my, uh, all my, my shirts and all my stuff for, for, um, Australia racing, all my merch and all my tents and all this stuff that was, uh, you know, could have been a really hefty bill. And he's done a lot to, to help me with that and, uh, get me started as well. And, uh, can't thank Ian enough for that. He's a, he's a legend, man. He does. He's that guy's a different level. Yes. Uh, but yeah, GB coming in and supplying me with the products. It was, uh, to allow these people that these people allow me to come in and with my own program in the first year and uh, supply me with, with things, you know, it was an indefinite thing, you know, like they're coming on, they're just kind of like, well, I hope you, you know, I hope you do good. You know, right? they don't know. I don't, I don't, I didn't even know, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, they were, they were they jumped on board and believing in me. And um, I think that doing, doing this well the first year and um, putting these things together, these podiums and uh, three out of nine, um, hopefully go four out of four out of 10 and uh, get back up there. And obviously next year progress even more and, and do more, but uh, yeah, like wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here and wouldn't be able to make a living and wouldn't be able to stick around for, for another year. So I think we have um, a number of years left. I feel like I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my, in my whole life, mentally and physically. I'm happy with life. I'm happy with um, my home life. I'm happy with business. I'm happy with, um, you know, doing what I'm doing each day, waking up and, and working on quads. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm excited to work on quads, <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm, and you know, you know how it is, dude, day in and day out of working on the same thing is it yep. gets tiring. Um, but to, to know that when you go to the race and it could, you know, supply you with a podium and, um, all you've worked for your whole, for your whole life, it can supply that. And, um, that's what means the most to me and to be able to, you know, do all that work and go there and like, uh, it's just a different feeling, man, especially on Fridays, like Fridays are the most busy day I have, like out of any day of the week, like the Friday before a race, it's the most insane uh -huh. day. Man. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. Like setting up all the flags and the banners and the tents and the, and like the, you know, like everything, like everyone's like, Oh, that's easy stuff. It's like, dude, it's, it's not. not like I'm swinging a sledge. I'm swinging a mini sledge for like two hours straight on a Friday, like yes. just trying to get everything going and um, setting everything up and then working on the race bike because like Mark had, uh, we had a little problem with a, with a race motor this past race. So we had to do a whole new top and a whole new head and, and everything for us. So we didn't get the motor until the race and like the shocks didn't get, and I didn't know what shocks I was going to run because we were testing so much stuff on Friday. So we had to put those on, put the motor in the, all kinds of stuff on Friday. It's just absolutely insane. I had a bike rental this weekend. So we rented my practice bike. So I had to deal with that and we were changing this. So it was just like to be able to do that on Friday and having all day, like I work every time I work from 7am till seven or eight at night, every Friday. And then uh -huh. to go out there on Saturday and be able to do that is, is, uh, is really awesome for me. Cause mm -hmm. I can kind of look around and like, I'm, it's, that's how it is. It's my choice. You know, I can look around all my competitors and they're all walking around the pits and waving, you know, and signing babies and stuff like that. And I'm over there <laughs> grinding, you know, but 
um it's like it's 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 my choice and i i love every minute of it like i wouldn't have any other way because everything's the way i did it like we talked about it's the way i did it and my choices and the pits are the pits look the way i they do because i put them up and um well not just me my family and my wife but you know it's just uh, all day thing and um a lot of work and it, it makes it makes it awesome to be able to provide for provide for my sponsors and, and for me to go up there and get on the podium and and uh you know thank them in that way yeah you know? yeah for, for sure and, and again it makes it that much more special being that you're hands-on with all this stuff like yes it it it, it uh isn't fun um there's no better feeling it never happens but there's no better feeling than going to the racetrack with a race squad that's together and ready to go but it never happens you know the the shocks are coming from impact and you got motor stuff mm -hmm. going on from baldwin and um all that's these crazy. things it's crazy but uh, it is so funny chad actually said this weekend we and he, okay. he goes up to me he's like hey you guys uh you guys need to have that bike ready before friday i'm like chad <laughs> listen if i could i would dude like i understand like right. i don't have enough stuff to keep it going like i had to do it on friday because i don't have enough stuff i gotta do bracket stuff i gotta like like i just don't have enough i don't have enough yeah like you know, and after you know after this year and having a bunch of parts and able to go in the next year and get more stuff and keep fresh bottom end sitting there and we go you know top in and just pop a new top end on there uh -huh. or you know and put the piston and the race head on there and put it in the bike and i can have it ready but like i don't have that right now you know it's like <laughs> obviously right. trying to put, you know, pinch pennies over here, pinch pennies over there a little bit. So, so getting started and buying all these things is very costly. So, um, yep. he even tells DJ, he tells the DJ from rocket, you know, Chad does he's like, Hey, you guys need to have that thing ready. Pretty good. <laughs> it's like, Chad, listen, you, you sponsor me and give me a couple of bottom ends and we'll, we'll talk after that, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, but it's funny. Like he, he, it's the truth though. You know, we need to get that stuff ready and more prepared next year. But, um, you know, for the first year, I think we're doing all right. And, Hey, you uh, didn't even, when, Hey, when you started this thing, you didn't even know what you were getting into, you know, you, uh, not, we, we talk about it all the time about the parts and the this and the that and how to build one. I didn't even, I had no idea. <laughs> so every time I ordered something, I ordered three or four of it. Right. Like every time I ordered something for my first build, I ordered three or four of everything that I, I ordered because uh -huh. I knew I was going to need them for, you know, three or four of them for the bikes I'm going to build in the future. So it was tough, man. It was crazy. Not, it was nonsense, you know, like all the stuff that you need for these things, you would never you know, never have any idea. And you just went through the same thing. So. I did. I did. And that's why I wanted to put together that, that guide for my build, because I didn't want people to like, I, I'm no expert. Like I'm new to this whole thing, but the, I had access to Jeffrey Rostrelli and DJ Sperling and, and Chad Weenan and all these people, Paul Turner and name whoever, um, mm not everybody had that. So there was tons of stuff where I'm like, Hey, like, what do I got to do with this? And you'd be like, yeah, you know, you need this cable or you need whatever. Yeah. And not everybody has that. So that's why I wanted to try to fill some gaps there with that uh, guide that I put together. But yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, though, I am like, pretty stoked on after you get all the electrical removed after you get, you know, to the dual injection system and all these things, like it's not nearly as complicated as I thought it was. It's just yeah. going through it the first time. Isn't the most fun experience. Yeah. Your mind tells you it's a lot, a lot more to it than there actually is it's just a matter of putting yeah. all the pieces together. And once you have all the pieces together the first time, it kind of falls together. So yeah. like the, like the running the Honda throttle with the KTM throttle body. It's like, you had to have this certain cable and you got to know uh -huh. the partner for that. And like, yeah. I, I, thankfully I had Gary from Phoenix. Like, like I was blowing up Gary all winter. Like, yo, what do I need for this? Like, <laughs> okay. what's the part number for this? What's the part number for this? 
And Gary's just like, dude, this guy's not even on the team anymore. He's still bothering me. <laughs> yeah. yeah thank well, him enough for that. And and Mark and all those guys. So that's the same way. Paul Turner and Chad. And yeah, it was, it's just crazy to build one of those things. You know, you take everything off of it and throw that throw that stuff in, in the corner and uh, practically building a whole new machine, you know? So yeah, it's wild. Yeah. It, it's it's honestly it's worth it though i mean that oh, yeah. when when those things get race built they're they're on another level but yeah, so i didn't i did enough like real quick and i want to ask you how do you like your bike this weekend dude the so every time somebody asked me i would say my one regret is that i didn't do it sooner uh-huh. um and how's that rear end though? and the two things that stand out to me continuously are how long the gears are compared yeah. to a trx and that rear end is a cheat code. That rear end is not fair. No. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. I had the upper end weekend because of it over Brandon, that second moto, I felt yeah. like. Just I, I, dude, I came off the couch and had rode twice since Loretta's last year. Mm-hmm. And I still felt like I had more bike control and more like, like in the whoop section, which whoops are a strength of mine, but I felt Those like aren't a strength of anyone's okay. Dude, Those but, are on a different level. But every time somebody at like talked to me about my riding, it was about how good my me and my bike looked in the whoops in the rough shit. And that was just because of the quad. Like that again, that rear end is not fair compared to a TRX. Well, it's not and impact even impact has them dialed too. Impact's doing a good yeah. job over there with, yeah. with the shocks and Elka, the Elka shocks and stuff. So yeah. I can I can imagine. So what gearing are you running? whatever you told me to run i don't even remember i don't even remember what the heck i told you to run 1539 maybe i think that's what it is is that one bigger in the front than stock? So one bigger in the front from stock i, then, I put on, i put on whatever i literally texted you you told yeah, me even, that's I what i put even, on yeah i don't even remember what it was <laughs> but like i was running 1539 at the time okay. and uh actually like we've migrated more towards a 1540 oh wow okay yeah. so like even joel was running it i think he runs it a lot I ran it this weekend. I went from a 39 in qualifying to a 40. And it so you, got, a lot. you got, you got a little more on bottom. Cause I feel like yeah. that I, I, I have been questioning a little bit, like my motor setup. Like I was just trying to compare. Cause this is the first time I was riding it around anybody that was, you know, capable of going my speed or whatever. So I'm like, well, I wonder how this thing compares to these other quads. And I do think that maybe, I mean, maybe that, that now I'm glad you said that. Cause I'm going to give that a try. Um, just to maybe it give just it a, makes a third, little third, bump yeah, on the bottom. Yeah, that third gear like really comes out of corners hard, mm-hmm. and you can click forth a little earlier. And I think at Red Bud, that was key to click forth a little earlier and getting that lug. Got you know, because like I felt like um, my thirty nine, I was a little bit uh, like it was a little bit too uh, and mm-hmm. forth. You know, and uh, like I went to that forty and it was right on. Like okay. it was really good. So Got it. try that, try that, and see how that works. Um, so did like you, Hey, did, did you test the 40 in the preseason at all? I did because you told me, I didn't two really like gears. you told me two gears. So I, I probably have some forties in the shop right now that I can put on. Cause you said, Hey, I've been between these two gear setups. Yep. So that's probably, I probably got some. Yeah. So like, I think Chad runs a 14 front and like a 37 or something. I think I just, by like looking at it, yeah. um, but I noticed with like my, my package and and my deal, like the fourteen, some it doesn't work as good. Like okay. you can I have a gear ratio chart, obviously. Like everybody knows a mm-hmm. gear ratio chart. It's like fourteen thirty seven is like, or fourteen thirty eight is like a fifteen forty ish right yep. around there. It's actually a little taller. Um, 
like not taller, but it makes the gear ratio is, is a little bit taller. So you have a little more oomph even in, than a 1540 on third gear. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, but like something I didn't like about that, something with my bike and package, like my starts weren't that good. And like something about, I don't know if it's like me and me and like, uh, I can't remember who we were talking about, like where the sprocket, you know, how the, how big the sprocket is compared to like the, the pivot link, like the pivot bolt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's like, there's a big deal. Like that's a big deal. Yep. So they're making like the 15 for some reason in the motor package and these different things. Like, I don't know, the 1540. I mean, my starts were on point this weekend. Like I haven't had that good of starts in a while. I had the first moto start and came in right. a little too hot and stuff. So it actually, yeah, it actually quite- makes perfect sense though, that even though the ratio might be similar, if that, if the actual sprocket is larger, it makes sense that it would have possibly a little more oomph, you know? Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's weird because technically on paper, the, the 1438 was be even more oomph than a 1540, but I didn't like it. It okay. didn't work. As, it didn't work as good. Even going to fourth earlier, it just didn't work as good. So try a, try a 1540, put that in the notes there and see what you yeah. got. Yeah. We got secrets coming out on the digging deep ATVMX podcast uh-huh. from Jeffrey Australia oh, here. I like it. Don't take, I like him, it. Don't take too much. Secrets. <laughs> good, but, thing, uh, good thing. Obi is on a Honda. Yeah, there you go. But uh, pal, so we speculated coming into the year, what this move would mean for you. And I felt like the more I thought about it at first, I'm like, man, like could be tough, could be tough because oh, no doubt. he's been on these teams. You didn't even know how it was going to go. The more I thought about it though, I thought that you were going to be able to create your own atmosphere. As soon as I knew DJ was a part of it, I was a major buyer in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, three podiums later, I think I would argue that, you know, you're even better than I expected. I think the season's almost been better than I expected because I mean, throw out the DNF you had a couple of races ago and shoot, you're tied for third in third. I mean, you're yeah, right there. Right there for sure. Right. So this move to Restrelli racing backed by rocket machining and design obviously was the correct move. And I think you're also doing it and you would know better than anybody, but I think you're also doing it when the class is probably the gnarliest, at least in that group that you're in up to at the front of the pack, it's gotta be as gnarly as it's ever been. There's never been a time where you were racing like this, that there was freaking seven guys battling for podium spots. Like there's, this is as gnarly as it's been. Yeah. Even when I was battling Chad and Joel for the wins, like, I was alone, lonely third after, you know, they would get around me or something. I was a lonely third. Maybe me and Thomas would battle for third and fourth, mm-hmm. but it was never that deep for sure. So um, to be, to be a part of it at this time, is really good and be able to, to beat those guys, you know, when there's that many, and that's where the second moto, I didn't know where everybody started. Like, I didn't know where like no offense against Max or Bryce or anybody. I didn't really sure where everybody started at. And mm-hmm. We all started in a group and we just, put put some good put some good first laps down and and got away from those guys so it was like really rewarding to know that they didn't start in the back and had to work through some slower riders to get there like we all started you know third fourth fifth sixth seventh and eighth and uh, we just kind of pulled up um pulled on them the first few laps and just steadily did it throughout the race so that was really rewarding for sure to know that 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 pack was uh yeah was right there the whole time and and it wasn't just like a, a thing where i got a better start and that was that you know Mm-hmm, exactly. And I think that, you know, so much of this conversation, even business, and it's a struggle or whatever, you know, it's not, not none of it's easy. Um, but all of it from the technical side to talking about, you know, to all of it, 
you can tell that like you're actually having fun doing it. And that having fun aspect of it is so important. It's so key to being successful. And then speaking of fun, like you said, you're up in Michigan, you're at rocket machining and design with the boys and um, with their crew there. And you guys have some fun plans for the weekend, right? So tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, we're going to Silver Lake, the the dunes, I guess it's, it's local here. And uh, we're going to, it's like a campground. So yep. we're going to to camp and um, for the weekend and do some sand dune riding. So you guys have seen some some sick footage from that. And uh, and I'm assuming my, you've never done this before. No, I've never been in the sand dune. So I'm gonna put my big my big CST tires on my, yep. my my mutters and and go out there and and have a blast and hit some big stuff and have fun and uh, obviously getting like being able to ride. Obviously we're riding there, so to be able to do that, I feel like I'm not you know slacking off too much by just sitting in a campground uh all weekend you know uh-huh. and like hanging out we're actually going to ride and stuff too so yeah um i feel like it it's gonna be a lot of fun we're uh we're really stoked and um after riding today i gotta go ride here after we get done here it's thursday and um i'm gonna go do that and then tomorrow in the morning get the get everything ready get it serviced up make sure it's all good and and uh maybe even ride tomorrow night too when we get there if we have enough time so we're super excited for that and uh you know to get away and to do it obviously how much we ride and we do it's motocross all the time. It's motocross, it's motocross, motocross, um, to go out and do something different on my four wheeler is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never, so I've never really done the dunes thing, even though it's not that far from where we're at necessarily. My only experience with that kind of thing is Kroom down by, down by your home base down it's not there. Dunes. And it's Don't nothing dunes. like it. Yeah. Is, that's a hell hole. <laughs> that place is, that place is terrible. It's just whoops. The whole thing is just the whoop section. That is like not fun. There's not even any jumps out there, really. It's just like, just go out there and kill yourself. So, like, everyone's asked me, you go to Kroom or not? Absolutely not. Like, I hate that place. So, um, no, yeah, that's crazy that you say that. Like, I don't know. Like, I should probably go to Kroom more often and ride the whoops, you know, but freak that place, man. I don't, I don't like that place at all. But hopefully this place is a little more fun than Kroom because if it's oh, not, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> No, I, th- I think everybody rants and raves about the dunes trip. So I think that you're going to have a lot of fun. Um, so let's finish up here. So, so two gate drops left in the season here, the 2022 season, uh, you're 10 points down from third. So this thing is still very much alive. It's still in your sights. Um, we're heading to Loretta's season finale. So give me your favorite Loretta's memory. Do you have a favorite Loretta's memory? Yeah, I do. I have a, I have a really good one. I have a really bad one as well. So okay. My my favorite is 2010. I won my first ever pro am production race at Loretta Lens. Okay. So it was a one moto format because it was so muddy. I got second on the start behind Travis Moore. Travis Moore was leading. Chase and Joel got bad starts, and uh, Travis ends up spinning out, and I go by him and and win my first pro am production race. So that's my favorite memory. Okay. Um, my worst memory was or one of them was in 2017 i was in battle for third in championship and uh uh the back of sand straight away yep. um like i was i got blasted with sand and i was going to pull a tear off like cause i couldn't see anything i was about to go in that corner i, I pulled i went to go pull it and just something happened i just going wadding up like i went flipping and oh you went over head. the berm or something right yeah, my bike flipped all the way over the berm all the way over the fence like i i yeah. got watered up bad and i i hit my head again and uh, I, I didn't race. So I ended up getting fifth in the championship. I didn't race either moto because of my head. And I was like, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Because being in third in the championship, man, was, you know, obviously I did it in 16. Um, was looking to do a repeat in 17 and 
just yeah. missed the last two motos and I'm getting fifth. So that was tough. And then another one is, um, I was racing, uh, the Casillas, you know, this Casillas back in the day, I was riding <laughs> yeah, I do. Etrick racing on the blue Casilla with red a arms and all okay. that stuff. And, uh, we were in the battle for a championship there too. And, um, it was the first moto and I think I had, I had to, I had to win that weekend and I was winning the first moto and, um, like one of those short stubby gas cap. Yes. Yeah. Clogged, okay. Clogged up and shut my bike off and cost me a championship. Oh my gosh. So I remember I mean, at the time, never run one again at ever, the time, never, at ever. The- at the time, everybody ran them. And I remember everybody. my, I remember my dad being like, you know, cause there was a rumor or a story of Jeremy McGrath having that happen on his dirt bike on like a triple jump or something. Oh, I don't know. Oh, oh. Yeah. They I don't even know if that's flow, legit. So they're not getting any gas. Right. There's so, no breather. So, t- so explain to me, I mean, I've always thought that the, the whole concept of, you know, the breather line on the top of a gas cap, why would we put a cap on it? I know that they can breathe a little bit, but it makes no sense to me to begin with. So to think that, you, you know, maybe you put, don't put a but, cap on it then you get a clump of dirt on it and then it clogs up anyway. So like, it was just the stupidest design ever. I don't know what yeah. anybody was thinking because those things get a little clogged in your screw. <laughs> yeah. Oh I mean, my gosh. Straight up did. So like, that was like my worst memory. Like I could have been a, a lot more time champion and I was younger. If little stuff wouldn't happen like that, like one race, little stuff would happen. But yeah that one was like that one hit that hit hit hard for sure like this little this little thing oh and I, but I took my gas cap off to check my gas i'm a kid i don't know what the heck's going on i'm like of course it off and there's gas in there I put it back on and it fires right up oh my because gosh. i got got air yeah so the yep. gas would go down to the carburetor and then it fired up because they got yeah so Man, I've heard, I've heard stories about those stubby little things. And to think that that cost you a championship there is heartbreaking. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But also before we go, I also wanted to put, um, like shed some light on like my Redwood curse. Like I haven't been on the podium since 2016 there. Okay. So 2017, um, I got third, the first moto, I believe. And I pulled off the track and, um, I pulled into the pits and like the motor was like, go, 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 go. you know, the thing was about to blow up. Okay. And, um, I'm still mad at JB about this for this still to this day. I'm like JB, this thing's going to blow up. Like it, it's junk. Like the motor junk. We got to take it apart or we got to, we got to replace it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they washed it. And of course it cooled off and they fired it up. Oh, the thing runs fine. The thing runs great. I'm in the trailer. Like I'm cooling off. I just, they're going to change it. My mm-hmm. dad and JB are going to change it. And I come back they're like, oh, the, no, the motor runs fine. We're not going to change it. So I go out and then four laps, the second moto thing blows up. Um, 2018 in the mud, I got the start. I was leading the second moto and got passed by Thomas and just ended up getting fourth. Like it wasn't, that wasn't bad. But the 2019, I blew a cam tower apart with Baldwin. So broke that, that year. 2020, I missed it because I was hurt from the Pleasure Valley wreck. I missed, that was only one of the only races I've missed in the past however many years. Yep. Um, And then, last year i got third to first moto and then i blew up the second moto so like heck i broke that curse and i'm hoping to break the loretta's one too because loretta's is the same way it's been my kryptonite kryptonite since as long as i can remember but last year you had that third in the first moto and then you know you blow up but even before that you got Got stuck yeah you and bryce get caught in the first corner and then Dude, it throws the throws this whole thing for a loop. The third, third and points, third and we were tied. We were tied going yeah. into that race. We were tied for third and points. Yep. I beat him the first moto. 
So we could even, even if he got third and I got fourth that moto, we had evened up and then when it went to Loretta's and then, yeah. um, but it didn't. So he pulled a little gap on me and mm-hmm. then, um, Loretta's again, like I've always struggled there, dude. I don't, I do not know why I've always been on a struggle bus at that place. See, and, and like, that's weird year. because it's kind of hard packed, you know, and that's typically like where you thrive the very most. It seems like we've had that conversation. So I think of, uh, Loretta's as a Jeffrey Australia track, you know, yeah. and like, it's just been. Like I was always good there when I was younger and like pro-am and early and pro, like I was good. And then just since it's been like, a, mm. like been downhill for me. So to know that I broke the Loretta's or the Redbud one, like I broke, kind of broke that curse. Like, yeah, I think we're over with, I think we can go to the Loretta's and have a good one. So like, like last year, the, the freakish, I was up in the front and I had that weird um, puncture of my front tire. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've yeah. never had a puncture in my front tire, the first moto. Right. And I fought that thing for 12 minutes with a f- flat front. And I was, I was flat wore out before I even mm-hmm. went out the second moto. Like I remember you saying that. Wrecked. So it was just like one of them weird things, man. Like I think I broke the red bud one. So I think it's already like, it's, we're already carrying good energy into Loretta's and it's going to be another good race. So I like it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm hyped, but I just wanted to kind of shed light on that because I thought that was like, I, it was pretty cool that, that it happened so much negativity happened at that track. And I, I finally pulled it together and, and got on the podium. There it was, uh, I think a good step in the right direction. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. That sounds awesome. I mean, uh, putting that to bed, putting one, uh, curse to bed or whatever you want to say, and then it's yeah. time to do it with another one too. So yeah, I do yeah. have, I do have one more question for you here. Absolutely. Um, a little bit outside of the conversation we've had so far. Um, uh, but we've been talking ourselves blue in the face about the, the team USA topic. And mm-hmm. I wanted to get your opinion because, you know, Bryce Ford gets the the spot as the third member on the team. We know how that works. It's based on points the year before, all those things. Um, that was a yeah, you you say it's based on points, and like I've I have I have something to say about that, but you can go ahead. Uh well, so, okay. So maybe I'll it's not gonna be neg- I'm not gonna be super no, negative no, 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 mean no, about no, it. Well, like no. I have because this is this is truth. This is in the first year we went, okay. No. Me and Thomas were tied for points. Okay. When they kicked either tied. Or I was two points ahead because it was either round. I, I just did the points the other day because I seen this post. Got it. Fin- okay. Horror or anything like that. Like I picked my points in. Me and like the Ford brothers were were backing me at the time in 2017. Ford brothers okay. race, and John was super pissed. They picked Thomas because we were in a third, either third or we were like on a tear at the time. Okay. Like, really beating up on Thomas pretty good at the time, and I wasn't even, I wasn't even like talked about really. It was like Thomas is going. And we were all tore up about that because that was, you know, technically it was third in points, but he wasn't, he wasn't third. I remember this specifically. My mom remembers, okay. Joel remembers, because we were just talking about it yesterday. My wife, we all were like, we kind of got, kind of got screwed out of the first one. Okay. And um, so that's where, like, I didn't comment on the internet. I didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know, start a stir because, you know, everybody's going to have their opinion. Everybody's this and Harv said it was based on points and, the first year that was not the case okay. and we were not happy. Oh, well, so I'm glad that you shed some light on that. Um, here, I'll let you finish there. I'm glad you shed some light on that though, but it does, it does probably make sense. Right. Cause Chad has told us on the, on the show a number of times. And, and I think Thomas has in the past too, even those, those conversations were farther back, but I mean, Chad and Thomas were the two people that kind of came up with the idea of going right. So it, that probably had, uh an impact on that decision i would think but i'm That's glad where it's like just tell me why not that it was based on points because first year it wasn't true 
Got it. I mean, even the even the second year, um, twenty eighteen, I'm pretty positive that I was on the podium the first, second, third, and fourth round, and I was ahead of Thomas, and he was getting picked again, but then Joel didn't want to go, okay. or couldn't go because he's having, uh, having a baby. Yep. yep. So then I went. But that was another year that it wasn't based on points again. It was based on whatever you want to say it was based on. Mm-hmm. And we just weren't happy. Like, we're all working our tails off. I'm third in points. Yep. And and you just don't even consider me. And, like, there were some terrible points that they were pointing out of of why I wasn't considered that I, I wore contacts and it made me less rely. I swear to God, this is not a joke. Oh my this is gosh. not a joke. Yeah. I was a little, I, Chad Weenan wears contacts, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is not a, a, a fighting, like a fighting argument. Like this is baloney. This is, this was just political is all it was. And okay. um, I thought it was, you know, this year it's based on third and points. That's fine. Um, I get it. Bryce was third in points. He was riding better than us at the time. Um, mm-hmm. at, but at the same time, there's another thing you got to think about is um, what about backup rider? What if one of these people got hurt? Nobody's talked to anybody about this. Nobody, nobody's talked to me about Team USA, period. And I've been a past champion with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just that's where I think it's um, I was kind of, I don't know, I kind of steered the wrong way with it. You know, okay. yeah, um, it's kind of like. Yeah, it just kind of frustrated. It kind of frustrated me a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. you guys can have at least talked to someone else about mm-hmm. like maybe having to go if something goes wrong. Like, because what happens, you know? I'm, and I don't wish that on anybody. Well, one of the three riders ends up breaking a finger for heck. You know, you don't even know, mm-hmm. and then they can't go over there and do what they got to do. I'm, I'm me or Brandon's gonna have to go, and they're probably not gonna pick Brandon because all Yamahas are over there. Right. You know, you're not gonna say somebody rides a Honda and and put them on a Yamaha or Nick. Mm-hmm. But they haven't had that conversation with anyone. It was like, I had to find out on the internet who they were picking for Team USA. And I thought that was kind of baloney. That was just my personal opinion. Like, please sure, chat sure. with me about it. And we could agree to disagree. You know, yeah. put me in the conversation, the top five in a conversation, and then go from there. But yep. that's not how it was. And that's, it's fine. But, you yeah. know, I just think that, uh, yeah, it could have been dealt with a little bit differently. So I'm, I mean, that's what the show is here for. You know, I hope that, what you're saying right now impacts things in the future where, and maybe behind closed doors, even though they haven't talked to you or any other riders, maybe behind closed doors, there is a backup plan. I don't know. Like, Hey, and that that black, but maybe there is, but what's that backup plan include? They're going to come to me a a week before the QX on and say, Hey, we need you to go over there and race Mm -hmm. when I've been sitting on the couch for a month. Right. Yeah. So I I, I almost have to have like, um, and it's not, I'm like saying I need money. But like, I need to know that if I'm the backup rider, I just need to go home and like ride my dirt bike and like mm-hmm. still road bike and like do some training on my quad and stuff like that to know, like there's a possibility that I might have to go over. Maybe yeah. if somebody happens if with how the COVID stuff is right now, what happens if one of them's sick and mm-hmm. they get tested before they go over there and they're positive for COVID or something and somebody's got to go. Like there's so many different outcomes that could happen right. and nobody <laughs> even talked to any of us about it. It's yeah. like, I got to be prepared. Like, I'm willing to do that. Like, if they called me and say, hey, I need you to go. We need you to go over here and race for us in QX on. Like, of course you would. If I have to race yeah. Bryce's bike, I'll race Bryce's bike. If I have to race Joel's, I'll race it. If I have to race Chad's, like, I'll race it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I haven't even talked to him about it. And no one else has. And they got to think about that stuff. And that's yeah. where I'm a little concerned um, personally, with especially just how the COVID stuff is, these regulations with this, that. 
um, you know, injuries and stuff happens, you know? So, so that's what the, that's what I was going to say is that's what the show is here for, right? Like you probably don't have the ability. You could post it on your own social media channel, but you're not going to, cause it's going to create an uproar. It's going to create a stir, oh, yeah. but, but you voicing this right now, hopefully can make the team better in the future. And I will say, I know for a fact that whatever the year would have been 2007 or eight or six or something in that era era, where Ricky Carmichael got hurt, leading right up to event the event, uh, Motocross of Nations at the time, there was no backup plan. And they decided to have Ivan Tedesco ride for the team, even though he wasn't probably the best pick at the time, but mm. he was Ricky's teammate and Makita Suzuki. And it was able to just, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, shift over to him but there was no backup plan necessarily until ricky got hurt at that time either so hopefully yeah. i guess what i'm getting at is hopefully having had this conversation with you people like harv and other people are going to, smart people influential people are going to hear what you're saying here and hopefully that can make the team better in the future so what i was going to ask you you know you've right. be, you no, no, no. you from your question no dude not <laughs> at all this is this is great um I guess I wanted your opinion because one, you know, the emotions and the weight and everything else of what Bryce is experiencing now leading up to the event. And so the one thing that gets me because I, I hear and understand and respect and don't even disagree with anything that you've said so far. Um, but the people that are pounding the table acting like Bryce was some kind of egregious pick when they selected the team and he was third in points at the time and he was third in points last year. So kind of answering to them, because I've been on these shows saying riders like Brandon Hogue, riders like Jeffrey Rastrelli, riders like you guys, Nick Janusa, other guys that may be in the running for a position like Bryce is in. At the end of the day, you want to be that guy, right? You want to be the guy in Bryce's spot. You've been that guy. That's why I want your opinion. But I think that it would be good for Team USA, whether you're a Bryce fan or you're a Jeffrey fan or you're whatever, the best thing we can do is band together to build him up. Is it not? So all these people commenting BS and, and oh, all yeah, everybody's things. hammering, hammering that whole situation about Dude, and it's, it's not, it's not it's money and it's not, it's not and, deserving. And, and, no. And I mean, if you ask me, I mean, with at the point, um, he finished third last year. He, you know, those the best, the best three riders were picked. I mean, mm -hmm. I could agree with that. I'm not saying that, um, I wouldn't have liked to be picked. Yes, but of course I'm not going to sit here and bash Bryce because at the time he was third best. And last year he finished third in the points. So for people saying it's all about this or it's all about that, it's about money. It was a money grab. There was this and and that. It's it's total BS because um, I, I give props to the Fords because in 2018, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't probably race QX on because I rode one of their bikes over there. So like it wasn't just they're not just there to help his their son they're there to help team usa so right. um like i can't sit here and say one bad thing about the forge because they helped me more than i could have ever asked for mm -hmm. um you know me and it, it's it's funny now that me and bryce are like the main competitors against each other after um you know all they did for me and like like ronnie higgerson that year um you know under, unfortunately for them for him didn't uh 
didn't get to finish the series with with the Fords because of some some problems, and they had that bike sitting there, mm-hmm. and I got to like selected for Team USA, and I didn't have a bike to go over there, and the Fords like just yeah Baldwin to get that thing ready to go for him, send him over there. So, um, to for people to badmouth them about that whole ordeal, like I think it's baloney, man. I don't, I think it's total BS, and don't think it's right. Um, we need to build him up because, um, you know, at, at, he's team USA, man, he's picked. I mean, that's exactly right. He wanted it or not. And, right. um, I feel like he is, he's definitely feeling the pressure from that right now. I, I feel like Bryce is as a young kid, he got selected for team USA and feels like almost like he's feeling the pressure from that now. And I, mm-hmm. and unfortunately I feel like that's showing a little bit maybe, mm-hmm. um, cause he's had quite, quite the hiatus of, of not the best rides since, that announcement and i feel like he's putting a lot of pressure on himself and if i had anything to tell him even though we're going to the last race where i'm battling him for points he needs to like relax and do what he knows how to do because i personally feel like he has that in the back of his mind going out there every time that like he's this the team usa and like everybody's hating on him and he's he's feeling that pressure i feel like that is definitely a case with him right now and he needs needs to he needs to sit back and realize like you kind of got to say not and not to be mean or anything screw those people man like Mm -hmm. you got to just do you you're team usa you're the pick you're you're still you know could be the the third place guy and um you're feeling that heat and from all these people talking on social media and things like that and i feel bad for him but um if i had anything to say to him just do your thing man forget every what everybody else has to say about the money or about this or about that and um whatever you know like for for them to give me a bike is that like it's not just about their son, you know? So I don't know. Like they're just here to, they're trying to hear to, uh, they're here to try to help the sport. Um, and they're helping their son get over there. I mean, whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, I feel bad for, feel bad for the kid. Cause I feel like it's kind of, uh, it's definitely weighing on him. Well, and that's, like. that's why I wanted your opinion. Cause I felt like it was so valuable because you've been in that position, maybe yep. different, different kind of pressure, you know, because he's getting it. It just seems like he's, you know, getting all these stray bullets from all these different angles. And, and again, it's not deserved. He did nothing wrong. Um, no. But he did everything right. And it's just people thinking it's a, like a money grab for Team USA. And I think that's total B- BS, man. Like it's total BS. He was the third best rider last year and he was third at the time. Um, so I, that's it's he was the pick. I mean, and for me, it would have been hard for me to go over there. It would have been hard for me to build a bike to go over there. I've been riding the same. I had a bike being built and I could have sent it um but at the same time like it had been hard for me to go like running my own program and stuff of course mm-hmm. um but overall i think it was the best choice for the team and um i just hope he i just hope he doesn't you know feel this pressure over there like he's feeling it right now I, I seriously think that's right now i think it's his problem i think it is like because i mean he was performing very well until that announcement and then i seemed like a kind of decline in in his performance and then uh like i'm not hating on him i'm not sitting here bad mouthing him about it because I, I know how it is to have that pressure. And like I said, I mean, we're going into the, the last race when we're all battling for third and like, it'd yep. be unwise for me to give him any kind of confidence, but mm-hmm. like he needs to get over it, over that pressure. And, and if that's his problem, if that's what he's feeling and go ride your four wheeler, man, like, so, so do what you, you know, to do, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that's all I can say. So question for you then, so do you think when he gets over there, you get to the Czech Republic, you know, you're now it changes, right? Because now it's, I mean, it's Bottom the pressure. Well, it's it, okay. So that's what I was going to ask. You. 
Is it going to be more because you go over oh, yeah. there and it's your team USA. You're everybody. Everybody's against you. Everybody's against you over there. And I mean, they're all friendly. Don't get me wrong, but they don't want you to win. They don't want you to come over there and, and we whoop up on them boys every year, man. It's not like we just like, kind of like we, we win, like we really, we whoop up on them. Like it's bad, you know, and they don't, they can act friendly. A lot of people are friendly. A lot of people, people are nice. They're going to be nice to your face, but they aren't nice, man. They don't want you there. They don't want you to win. I don't care what anybody says, you know, they're, they're, they're ruthless over there. They're going to be waving their, 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 excuse my language. You know, you can beep that out. They're, <laughs> they're, they're flags and they're going to be cheering on their riders and they oh, don't yeah. want you over there. They don't want you over there to whoop up on them. So um, I, it's going to be more pressure and it's on you, man. It's year three. And those, those motors are long. They're 25 plus two. There's no, they're no joke. So the preparations even, like a really big deal and uh for him like i don't know you think he needs to figure out something with that with the training because um i mean you know at red bud he that first moto he he pulled the parachute halfway through man bad and it, and it's to that <laughs> these races are two laps less three laps less than what's over there you know so um just get and i think it's mental training i think it's his training like he's been training the same all year so i think it's just him being mental and needs to go out there and just just do him man he's really too much he's, he's doing too much thinking in his head but as a young kid and everybody's on him everybody's hating on him and everybody's this and everybody's that and i think he's just it's taking a toll on him and yeah. i really i really yeah. think that and like and to have it over here and he's maybe struggling a little bit and like i said this may not be the case that's just me as an athlete and seeing what happened since but if he goes over there and and he's um you know getting affected here um i'm scared I'm scared to have him go over there and, and, uh, and think that, you know, I don't know, maybe he feels the pressure too much and, and I don't want to see him choke, but he might, he may, if he's feeling it over here. So I've with no, nothing but the best for him. Cause I am part of team USA. Like we're, we're in the USA, you know, like we want to be represented well and oh yeah he does. And I hope he does well. I really do. I'm not trying to obviously say anything negative about him. I just know how it is when we go over there and it's a lot of pressure, man. It's a lot of pressure. I just came off a back injury when I was there. Like I just fresh off a broken back. Um, and he called Harv called me when I was, I, I just broke my back. So he called me to go over there two days after I broke my back. I couldn't even walk. I was walking like the hunchback of Notre Dame, man. <laughs> I, I was bent over. I couldn't walk. I was on, I was taking pain pills cause I couldn't do anything. And he calls me in like, man, I was, whew, I was some pressure, man. I was like, I can't even walk. This guy wants me to ride for, for team USA. You know, I got like, like two or three months to be ready so the training after the season for the month or i don't even know what the date is for it but um september yeah yeah the last weekend in september i believe it's the you got weekend. extra month month of training you know yeah, that's yeah and that's a toll on a lot of people too you know if you're if he's drained if he's worn out you know if he if it's taking a toll on him this year then another month's going to be hectic so there's a lot of, a lot of characteristics and a lot of things that could happen and i hope the best for bryce me and bryce get along I don't have any bad feelings with him. I just know the pressure and he's a young kid and, um, you know, fresh in his, in his pro career, this is his third year. It's just tough. So I hope the best for him. I hope the best for the, you know, the Ford family and hope they stop getting so much hate on the internet. Cause that's total, that's total BS. And uh, yeah. don't wish anything like that on him. Like, I don't know, like that just sucks. So, so, so I think that, uh, that, that was a great way to wrap it up because, so I have, I have, you know, pretty much, not constant contact, but a good amount of contact with those guys. I do, you know, some of their press stuff for them and, and whatever. Um, and I'll tell you that 
Robin in the family has been steadfast in saying, yeah, if, you know, if, if Bryce doesn't end up third or whatever, those other guys deserve it, you know? And so whether it was, you know, Brandon or you or, or whoever it was going to be, uh, she's been steadfast the entire time. They've been steadfast the entire time saying whoever deserves, it's going to get it. And I think that just people don't give like, for whatever reason, they just got this bad rap. And then the, the one thing that I think I want to leave everybody with, cause I've been saying it on these shows is come September 24th and 25th, or I, I believe that's the date. Um, you and, and Brandon Hogue and Nick Janusa and, and Max Lindquist and all these guys that are in the running and everybody else, everybody listening, the whole ATV community should follow suit. We'll be cheering for those guys. Did you want to be in that position? Yes, you did, but you weren't. And that's not going to stop you from getting behind Bryce Ford and, and Chad Weenan and Joel Hetrick. You're going to cheer for them on that weekend. Like, like, you know, like, like their biggest fans, because that's what we do as Americans team. USA. those are those guys for that weekend. At least those are those, those are our guys. And until then I just challenge people. And again, whether you're a Bryce Ford fan or a Jeffrey Rosselli fan or whoever, whoever you cheer for until that weekend, we should band together and support and build up those guys. That's what I wish. Absolutely. And I, like, and I like, wish we could challenge everybody to do that. Like, yeah, and everybody on the, on the internet, like right now, it just happened two days ago, I think, with somebody said something on the ATVMX National Group on, on yeah. that, and, and everybody's jumping in and talking smack. And you know, like Bryce and the whole board family and everybody sees that stuff. Everybody's a part of that group. So, um, like, I, I think we just need to all obviously band together and stop saying negative things towards the kid because, um, you know, like everybody hates on it because he's. I feel like they have – a really good program because they are um more well off than some um and that's why is that make them bad people you know like that's what makes me so frustrated they think it's because he was picked because of uh of money and so what like so what did they have money it's not a good reason he was picked he was third best last year he was third at the time um you know and if if they can help the team they can help the team you know what, what's the big deal and um, like they do have a bad, like for some reason, people think of the Fords as, you know, not bad people, I guess, but it's like, I think they're more or less jealous because they, they're well off, you know, That's it. And That's that it. Is what it is, but they've done a lot for the sport. They've done a lot for me and, um, never asked for much in return, you know, Robin and John and Bryce and Cody, there's a great family and Nana, um, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're good people. They're all around good people. So let's band together and, and stand with, with the kid. I mean, He's got to go over there, regardless whether they like it or not. He's going. That bike, his bike's in the container. It's it's on its way, mm -hmm. you know. So yep. we just need to uh, band together and stop being so negative towards the kid in, in general. And um, it's uh, it's good. Go team USA, you know. Yeah, there you go. That's a that's a great way to end it. And um, doesn't matter how much money you have, you can have all the money in the world, and that's not going to buy you third place in points. So nope. I'm sorry, but it's not. He and, earned that last year straight up. I mean, he beat me. He beat me straight up. I mean, that's all there is to it. I mean, like I'm under, you know, like we're doing having Baldwin Motors this year, and like, like it's like not like, you know, Baldwin's gonna do something for me that he's not gonna do for them. I mean, either way, I'm on Baldwin Motor. He wants me to do, to get on the podium too. You know, if I have a chance. Yeah. So, yep. um, like, yeah, it's like you only do so much to a Yamaha YZ450R. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you only do so much to the thing. It's not like they're running titanium frames and like 
it's right. just it's just crazy to me so um yeah he, he he got third and he beat me straight up so he deserved it you know and i just think that like you said just in the future you need to be you know talk to a little more about a backup plan um you know if something does you know go haywire so um but yeah thanks cody appreciate it yeah, that settles that. Jeffrey, congrats on a killer weekend. Of course, the third podium of uh, the year here for you, 24th of your career. So many of us were so stoked to see that. Hopefully you can do it again in Tennessee, break that curse as well, and uh, carry that momentum into 2023. It wasn't long ago, Jeffrey, that you were making your announcement here of this move on the show here. And um, man, it's been, it's been nothing but success since then, it feels like. So it's been awesome to see. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me on here. I love to uh, obviously shed, always shed some light on, on the weekend and on how my career is going and everything. So yeah, thanks so much, Cody. And uh, thanks digging deep ATVMX podcast for um, hosting a, a great show and, you know, the first of its kind in our, uh, in our, our side of things. So really giving us exposure and uh, yeah, just, I can't thank you guys enough for what you do. And um, yeah, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, we're uh, nothing without you, pal. So congrats again, buddy. Thanks so much for spending a little time with us, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Cody. That's Jeffrey Rastrelli right here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, brought to you by Blenzall. See you, pal. See you, pal. Insurance. It's not something everyone likes to talk about. But let's face it. If you race motocross, it's something you should have. Integrative Financial Concepts is an independent financial service and insurance firm who offers moto-friendly insurance and helps out riders like Nick Janusa, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Joel Hetrick gain confidence on the track. With their unique safe-to-race and safe-to-ride programs, if you qualify, they have the ability to offer life insurance with living benefits to those who ride. With these living benefits, you may have the ability to access a portion of your life insurance policy while you're still living for things like cancer, heart attack, stroke, or chronic illness. They can also help with many other things, such as home, auto, motorhome, and trailer insurance, as well as college planning, special needs planning, payroll processing, as well as group health benefits for your business. So whether something happens on or off the track, Integrated Financial Concepts has you covered. With their complimentary one-on-one -on -one appointments, what are you waiting for? Reach out to Mike Daniele at D-A-N-I-E-L-E -E underscore Michael at nlgroupmail.com today and see how integrated financial concepts can help you. Living benefit riders are supplemental benefits that can be added to a life insurance policy and are not suitable unless you have a need for life insurance. Riders are optional and may require additional premium and may not be available in all states or on all products. This is not a solicitation for any specific insurance policy. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Here at Digging Deep, we have an obvious passion for ATVs and pridefully enjoy sharing the sport's history. 
Since 2019, when the podcast was born, we've been working to partner with individuals who share our passion, but one man and his vision had been missing from our partnership group until now. When it comes to the sports history, the hallowed grounds of Binky's Forever ATC Museum has it all. Binky Tapscott's mind-blowing collection of three- and four-wheelers has preserved history by spanning all makes and models from Honda three-wheelers in chronological order to unique builds that shaped ATB racing as we know it, like Doug Gust's iconic DRZ-powered hybrid thumper and everything in between. There's no denying Binky's passion, a passion that we certainly relate to here at Digging Deep. Binky's goal is to share his amazing collection with fellow enthusiasts by making his prized possessions accessible to the public via scheduled visits. Follow Forever ATC Museum on Facebook and watch foreveratc.com for further updates on possibly getting a chance to see Binky's Forever ATC Museum for yourself. We are proud to welcome Binky's Forever ATC Museum to the Digging Deep family. We recite on every Digging Deep episode that we are all about aligning with others who share our passion and love for ATVs. And that's exactly what Blends All is. For more than 60 years, Blends All Racing Oil has been the secret choice of many championship-winning riders and engine builders. From world championship kart racing in Europe, to California speedway racing, or the mud and rocks of East Coast cross-country racing, thousands of hardcore racers know that nothing out-lubricates or outperforms Blenzall. Even with Blenzall's wide reach into all forms of racing, Blenzall's lead man David Schloss admits that ATV riders are his people. In fact, he's been an ATV enthusiast since 1986 when he first threw a leg over a Suzuki Quad Sport 230. Fun fact, his passion for ATV racing even led him to launch a popular ATV racing magazine in the mid-2000s called ATV Insider. So Blenzall is a small family-owned business that blends and bottles all of its products in Ohio and has ATV roots? Sign us up. That's why Blenzall is the oil choice of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. To learn more about Blenzall's rich heritage or to shop Blenzall's full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants, visit Blenzall.com and follow them at Blenzall on Instagram. Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans prevents overheating and boil over so you need not worry about harming your engine or suffering a premature end to your ride no matter what the conditions. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, and other power sports equipment, when conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track or trail. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 at checkout to save at EvansCoolant.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, back here with Casey Greek on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, wrapping up Red Bud ATV Motocross National 2022. Uh, so we heard from Jeffrey there. He's now fourth in points. He didn't make up any points on Hogue, but he did move up into fourth in points there heading into the finale. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on, Casey, we didn't touch on it before. Nick Janusa made up a significant amount of points uh, at Red Bud. He is now just five points back from that top five position in the point standings. And as you know, as our listeners know, we've talked about it enough times, the eight year pro has never missed the top five at the conclusion of any season as a professional. So literally each one of these guys, every one of these guys has something to battle their asses off for at that season finale. And it's going to be fun to watch. I know that Nick doesn't want to be the top five guy. He said that he said as much to us. At the same time, though, you know, in the back of his head, he doesn't want to let that streak end because top five for, you know, every year of your eight seasons as a pro, pretty darn impressive. Yeah, for sure. And he, does, he definitely doesn't want to go backwards right. by any means. So, you know, I think for him, it's he's got a, you know, it, it's going to be. I don't know where it is, uh, you know, it always carries a different 
you know, demeanor about it or whatever. There's always some crazy stuff that happens at Loretta's and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we haven't seen a battle this tight for like these positions. I mean, I think last year Nick was sort of in the same position, but I think it was a little bit earlier in the year and he, he made some changes and, you know, made, made stuff happen for himself and got to the position to where he ended up in that fifth again. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting at Loretta's. There's a lot on the line, a lot at stake for Brandon, Jeffrey, Bryce, and Nick yeah. right now. I think um, Max had a less than stellar weekend this weekend for him. Um, first moto technical difficulties. And then second moto, it just, it didn't seem like the normal Max that we would see at a Red Bud or like a Sunset Ridge or something like that. So um I think Max is a little bit further back in points. Yeah, there's a pretty good gap there. So he's kind of out of that mix and sense for points-wise and for what's going to go down. But he could definitely be a thorn in these guys' side and take some points from some guys at Loretta. So um, it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for Loretta's. Um, Don't know that I can say I'm ecstatic to have the season over with. You know, for me, it's like, wow, we're already done. And it seems every year it gets – we get done faster and faster, even though we kind of always end around the same date. It just, it seems like it flies by nowadays, but yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fight for these guys at the last race. It's going to be, and this has been the battle to watch, you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks at this point, but yes, it's going to be so much fun to watch to see which one of those guys is going to be the one that the, or the ones that outlast the others. I mean, there's, you know, a a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth position. Somebody needs to be slotted into each one. It's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. And I couldn't agree more. It seems like the season has flown by Uh, it's wild, but um, quiet six, six day for Bryce Ford at the midway point of that pro first moto uh Bryce was in a freight train along with Janusa Hogue and Restrelli but he ended up losing touch with those guys late in the moto uh you know you know the youngster had every intention of flip-flopping and or flipping the script I should say in moto two but he was unable to get the start he needed to make that a reality by the time he had overtook Max Linquist who you just touched on after quite a duel between those two uh he was again in sixth place and the top five was already out of sight so uh, Bryce Ford has to settle for six overall at Redbud now he's 13 points back of that top three spot that he was in last year and obviously he covets so badly um not the way that he wanted that one to go at the same time and i I said to the ford brothers racing team after the races all he can go do is smash it at the last round and see how the cards fall and i think that that's what we're gonna have to see from a rider like bryce ford who's gonna have to throw everything but the kitchen sink out there to try to get back into that top three spot yeah and i think um really i mean there's a lot of weight that's carried on that top three spot and at this point it's like i told bryce i'm like all the weight's gone. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter at this point. Like you're going to Europe. That's set in stone. All that stuff's done, and all you can do is take what you've learned this year and then just apply yourself and everything, all your focus, everything into Loretta's, and have the best race that you've had all year, and let the cards fall where they do. The, the pressure is completely off, and I think that's kind of what. There's so much hype about this. Who's third place and you know, the third position and who's going to replace Thomas Brown and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, Bryce is young, he's mature, but I think there's still some learning and growing to do. And and that's okay. Like it's fine. And that's, I get, I just keep trying to tell him like, dude, it's okay. Like if you end up fifth in points this year, it is what it is, but go out and, and smash it at Loretta's and that's all you can do and leave the season on a high note, get, get rested up, you know, and then kind of get, 
back into some fighting groove and then we'll go over to Quadras Nations and we'll end the year on a good good note and then you can build and be ready for next year. I mean, Bryce's story this year is crazy and I, I think maybe we'll do like a season review or something down yeah. the road. I mean, I'll, yeah. and um, we can kind of discuss some of the craziness that's went on with a lot of these guys. I mean, I have, you know, I've such good relationships with so many people. Um, obviously, I have to get some approvals by people to share everything, but um, I think that it would be, it would make a cool wrap up show for the season or whatever it is and, yeah. and really get some cool stuff out there and dig, dig deeper into these guys' lives. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait for that. That sounds like an awesome idea to me. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a great way to put it. I think that that's great advice and great insight there. You know, if you're Bryce Ford, you obviously want to end the season strong. Uh, I think obviously you want to end the season strong at Loretta's our, our American AMA TV motocross season. And then, you know, if he, when, when he goes and kills it at the motocross of nations at the quad cross of nations, um, that's going to be the, 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 the thing that blankets everything else. That's how he's going to remember this season is going and doing that and hopefully doing really well. And none of this other stuff uh, is going to, is going to matter. I don't think, you know, there's been some trials and tribulations out there, but riders, you know, that, that just happens. So uh, credit to Bryce for holding his head high. I touched on that earlier in the episode in our impact solutions, impact moment. So I don't need to get into that again, but um, yeah, six, six day for him. And uh, he's going to be looking for more at the, at the finale at Loretta Lynn's. Uh, so Casey, you're sitting here with a, a Stanfield motorsports shirt on Logan Stanfield. Absolutely slayed it this weekend. Kind of a makeshift home race for him there at Redbud, just up the road from him in Indiana, seven, eight moto scores. Uh, he ran with Bryce Ford and Max Linkus for a good share of that pro moto two seventh overall for him. And now he's up to eighth in points. I can't, I mean, I can't say enough about Logan Stanfield on this day. He absolutely killed it. Yeah. I think it was a great day for Logan. I think he proved to himself that he can get up there and run in, you know, in the next tier or the next pack of guys. And, you know, I mean, he, he didn't start in front of those guys to run with them. He actually caught up with those guys with, with Max and Bryce. And so I, it was almost like a, like a chills moment. Like we we've seen lots of flashes out of Logan and we've seen him run very well and, and get himself into, you know, good positions. And then, and it's not a knock on him, but it's usually stemmed from a very good start, starting top three or four or five or whatever. And we know Logan, when he starts there, he can finish up in the into that area. But I think this was really cool, and I think it was a confidence booster, and it might be exactly what Logan needs um, to push himself to the next level and get in there. And he started, you know, making some grounds on some guys, and he really separated himself. And I, I, I think it was a stellar weekend for Logan. I, he was pretty stoked after the race, and it was good to see and, you know, kind of give him a pat on the back and just tell him, like, that was that was what we expect from you is to get in there and do that that those kind of rides and i and i love that i love that about what we're doing here and, and breaking down all the races and the positions and stuff like that because same very similar thing happened at sunset ridge i can't remember if he finished maybe sixth or seventh overall but he had a really good day and after the races uh, i was standing there talking to him he had an ice cream cone in his hand and he was beaming he was so happy with how he did and i just i love bringing attention to these guys when they do really well like that i think that that is a a gap that maybe had existed in our sport before kind of what we're doing here so uh absolutely stoked on how he did it he's the best kid i, I just i love that guy so so stoked with how he did there seven 
seventh overall for Logan Stanfield. Rookie of the year to be Zach Decker. Uh, had a good solid day for him as well. Eight, nine scores for eighth overall. Veteran-like day for Zach Decker, Casey. And he's been, you know, we're seeing that more and more from him, which is a, a great sign as he kind of wraps up his rookie year here as a professional ATV racer. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I don't think it was um, on paper. It's definitely, you know, we've talked about it until we're blue in the face. It's not the day that Zach wanted, but it's it's honestly one of his better results for the year. Um, but getting thrown into that, it's it's a lot different than racing Pro-Am on Sunday, say. And so his first year pro at Redbud, I think uh, this is a good result for him in that sense. It's it, – it was, it was rough. I mean, it, it's hard to explain if you weren't there on how brutal this track was. And so I think um, probably halfway reality sets in like, holy crap, like this is so different than like any other place. And I think they're, I think the track, they got more sand in the track right now. You know, obviously they're prepping for the, the motocross the nation that's going to be held there this year again. And, so, no, I think it was a, a good day for Zach, and it's something to continue to build on. And I think that's what the mindset Zach needs to have right now is just realizing, and, it, you know, it's not these 13ths and these bad results for him. Yeah, yeah, I think that you kind of uh... – kind of shed some light on something there too, because, you know, when you're an A rider or you're in the, you know, the youth classes or you're even in pro-am and you're as good of a rider as Zach Decker is, you know, you got to worry about like one or two guys. And when you get to the pro class, you know that you're going to be in a dog fight with 15 other guys for the duration yeah. of the moto. Like there's nowhere to run and hide out there. I often think to myself now, you know, when I'm going to the gate for an amateur race, I'm like, Hey, like you have nothing to worry about. You're not a pro anymore you know like yeah. you, don't, you don't have to you don't have to go down the line and say okay i have no chance of beating seven of these guys i have to ride really hard to beat a couple of these guys you know like yeah. it's uh it's funny how that works so uh, well and i think the time. and the tracks on the track on sunday is is a completely different track is it still rough is it still got you know bumps and breaking bumps and all that stuff absolutely but it's not the same as saturday i mean even watching them prep the track Saturday night for Sunday to prepare it for Sunday. Mm -hmm. The prep was completely different. It, it wasn't nearly as deep. The track, you know, lap time wise were, were considerably better on Sunday and, you know, and we've seen that, but at the same time, you want to speed the lap times up for Sunday. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone wants out of there by Sunday, you know, the track crew, the owners, the promoters, and then all of us as racers and vendors and everything. So we want to speed the process along and, you can do that if if each moto is 10 seconds shorter yep. than the last one. Like that's going to help us get people in the gate and back on the bike and, you know, and, and on the track and back out. And so we can get out of there a little bit earlier. A lot of us have long drives home yep. and different things. So they, they do that on purpose. There's a reason that they, they groom different and, you know, technically there's less bikes on the track, say Sunday than there is Saturday too. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah. part of the game and why these guys are professionals and what they do. So yeah, I, good day for Zach. And I, I think um, definitely something to build on for next year. Yeah. And I often think, you know, what you have on a, on a Saturday on a pro race day, you have basically like an hour and a half or more 
where the track is getting absolutely thrashed by the fastest ATV riders in the world. So uh, that is a, yeah. that is a key factor um, when you're talking about the track conditions as well. So uh, ninth overall for Cody Ford, who's over, he actually was forced to overcome a mechanical issue in the morning there uh, that forced him to sit out of the first qualifier. I was kind of scratching my head there at that, you know, watching him walk around the infield during that first qualifier I was a little, a uh, little dumbfounded. So I went over and figured out that he was having a bike problem. He got out there for the second moto. He overcame that. It's going to take more than just a little issue like that to, you know, to fluster the foreman, like they call him. Uh, but good job for Cody. Max Linquist. Uh, podiumed here last year, but it wasn't meant to be this year. He had an issue in the, in the first moto there, a mechanical issue of some sort that resulted in him basically rolling around for the duration of the moto. Uh, you touched on that already. Casey, did you have any idea on, on what was going on there? Did you get any insight into that at all? Um, I believe it was something with uh, transmission, which is, is insane for a, for a Yamaha to have. I mean, those things got like a diesel transmission in them. So um but I, I don't know the full extent. It was just like, cause he kept going, but right. he said like when he would shift into third, sometimes it would engage and sometimes it wasn't. So was it a shift fork or something like that? I don't know. A hundred percent. I'm sure they got to get the thing tore apart, get it figured out so they can get moved into the right direction. And I'm sure we won't see that happen. I, I think that motor from what I heard, I, I went to the pro sport podium and Max was there and I talked with him just, uh, just vaguely as we were kind of passing. He said that motor is the motor that he's had trouble with all year, but everything in it's been replaced. The cases were replaced, everything, but it's just like those bare bones has kind of been his nemesis this year. So hmm. I think that motor will not be in the machine for Loretta's <laughs> if I was the bet. Okay. Well, I think that anybody that's done this long enough just knows there's, there's bikes, there's frames, there's motors that are just quirky and you can't figure out why they don't work and you keep trying. And, um, we've all probably been there. So actually I really wanted to take them for my fantasy team. And the reason why I didn't is because I thought that that was a new quad this weekend. So I was a little worried, you know, things pop up with new quads or whatever, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I was able to, uh, negate that. I think that, I think that Brooke picked them and, uh, and it didn't take long into the first moto there. I love Max always cheering for him, but, uh, to see that he was having a problem, Brooke was pretty gutted. So, um, so yeah, not a, not a good, uh, not a good weekend for people that had him on their fantasy team, but he was able to salvage his day with a seventh in moto two, which would earn him top 10 overall position. And, uh, you know, he wants to go out with a bang at Loretta's to get that bad taste out of his mouth. I think he, I think he podiumed at Loretta's last year, didn't he? I'm almost certain. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I think he podiumed the last three last year. The last three prior, prior to Briarcliff. Yeah. 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 yeah I guess. Yeah. Or no, no. Was Briarcliff it too? Was, was it, was it Redbud and Loretta's that he, that he podiumed, right? Or did he podium yeah. one going into there? I don't know. So either way, either, either way, he did podium Redbud and Loretta's. That I know, I know for fact. So, um, so yeah, he's going to want to go grab another podium at Loretta's this year. Uh, Patrick Torini, uh, he ends up 11th overall, 10-11 for 11th for him. Cesar Jimenez, Casey, he was super impressive. He actually, uh, we just talked about fantasy. Uh, I'll do it again for all the people that hate that we do that. Um, Cesar Jimenez was super impressive. He won his tier in ATV fantasy. He was a staple of uh, the top fantasy teams 
on this weekend, 11-12 for 12th overall, but uh, he raced hard the entire race. He raced hard until the end, and that's a big, that's key in that area of the class there, especially at Redbud where it's so whooped, where you got guys that start rolling around. Uh, so great job for Cesar Jimenez. I don't know if you watched him at all, but he slayed it. He was still racing hard until the end, and, and that's all it took to uh, earn him a, a good finish and be you know the top rider in the fourth tier of ATV Fantasy. Yeah, I think that's good for Caesar. Caesar's had um, not the year that I think he was hoping for by any means. And so, you know, just crazy things. I haven't really had to talk to him a whole bunch, but you can just, I mean, you can see it. I mean, there's just, his, you know, this is, I think, his best result of the year. So, yeah, definitely 12. Um, and, you know, that, that tier is tough. I mean, Vince <laughs> has had some good races and, you know, Vince is usually my go-to pick. He's been yep. sort yep. of the, the consistent guy there. And at, and at times, sometimes almost the only guy really that was actively racing that weekend, like we've seen Caesar, you know, yeah. he skipped out on Pleasure Valley, yep. maybe get some things healed up and kind of reevaluate and get back out there. And it, it obviously paid off for him this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He killed it. Uh, speaking of that tier in ATV fantasy, uh, this next guy was the fifth most picked rider in ATV fantasy at Redbud, And he, I mean, I had, I had so many people talking to me about what a curveball he was when it comes to the game on Saturday. Uh, another storyline that we were tracking coming into the weekend was this Irishman and the reigning quad cross of nations champion for team Ireland, Mark McLernan. And he, man, he rode one of Max's quads. We kind of previewed it coming into the weekend. He ends up 13th overall with a 12, 13 scores. Great job for Mark. Uh, but like I said, there was a lot of ATV fantasy believers that uh, believed in him, put them on their team. I was one of them. And, uh, and, and yeah, it was probably an awesome experience for him. We're trying to get him on the show but awesome experience for him to get over here and, and race red, but I really want to hear what he thought about his weekend and, and red bud and racing these guys on, on, uh, you know, the U S soil here. Um, but he was an awesome addition to the class. It was a fun storyline to track throughout the weekend. Yeah. And I think it's awesome. The more international player that we get, the more, you know, the press that we get overseas and the more press they get for being here. So, you know, we see it in that, we see it with Patrick Torini, Caesar. You know, there's there's a lot of guys that come over, and um, B Tech was here last year, and hopefully we can get him to return next year. And I, I hope you know so. we're we're really got a good mix of international guys and you know American guys. So, and they're you know they're coming here and they're learning a lot and they're taking that stuff back to Europe with them. And and I guarantee you their speed is got to be, you know, it's continuing to get better and better. I mean, I don't think Mark come over here to finish 13th. I think he really wanted to try to put an imprint and get, you know, definitely break into that top 10. Yep. But at the same time, I think um, he picked one hell of a race to show up to yeah. in, in reality. Um, maybe Pleasure Valley or, you know, a couple of those different tracks might have been Briarcliff or something might have been a better choice. But, you know, the way the cards fall, this is the one he came to, which – the track is iconic, and I think for anyone, especially when you're in Europe, and I think we're a little spoiled here, but, you know, it's just Redbud to us. You know, I think we, we respect it, and we love it, and it's a beautiful place, but I think when you get outside of the U.S., Redbud is, like, the epitome of American motocross, so I think it's a target on everyone's, you know, bucket list to be able to come over and ride it, and I'm, I'm very glad he did, and hopefully even next year we get to see him even some more, or, you know, we're obviously going to see him when we go over to Quad Cross Nations here short, soon. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell my, I have to tell myself that when we're there, like, Hey, you know, when, when the motocross of nations is here in two months or whatever, like you're not even going to be able to see, be, you know, I was at that last one. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you were, but, but no. you, I mean, I mean, you literally, it was standing room only on the entire facility. Like you could not walk one foot in front of you and see open grass. And, and it felt like you were in Europe. It felt like Europeans outnumbered Americans, even though we were in Southern Michigan, like it was yeah. absolutely wild. So yes, what an honor, what a privilege it is to be able to race an ATV motocross event at Redbud. And then uh, talking about Mark, I knew he had some stuff kind of working against him. You know, he doesn't ride a Yamaha. He was showing up and riding, you know, oh, Max's, really? Max's quad for the very first time. He rides a Suzuki hybrid over there. Um, oh. Suzuki chassis, you know, Honda motor hybrid is what he rides in Europe. He flew in, he, you know, he flew from there to here on Thursday. So, you know, that like, there's some, yes, I knew that there were some factors there. I still put him on my team. I was still a believer and I thought it was cool. I mean, he said to me going into the weekend, he shot a couple messages back and forth with me and said, hey, my goals are top 10. If I could, if I could get into the top 10, if I could be around the top 10, I would be really happy. And I think, like you said, I mean, especially I would think that there would be some nerves, right? Like, you know, those guys look, look at, you know, American ATV motocross, like it's on a, up on a pedestal. And I would think that there were some nerves there. So going forward, he said that he wants to come back. He did message me once, uh, or once or twice since the weekend, he said, he definitely wants to come back. He, he feels like, um, that wasn't the full showing of what he's capable of. So he wants to come back and show what he's truly capable of. Um, so looking forward to getting him back here, hopefully in the, in the future, that'll be fun to watch. But, uh, so then kind of wrapping everything up here, Casey rounding out the field was Vince Merman who went 14, 14 for 14th and Marshall Smith who suffered a motor issue, uh, but got out there for that second moto and scored a few points. So um, one of the other main storylines, the other main storyline that we haven't got to yet that we were tracking coming into the weekend leads me into our amateur coverage. And that was the battle for pro-am. So Dane Molander came into the weekend with a two point lead and he performed in the clutch by grabbing the win, extending his points lead to nine heading into the Loretta Lynn's finale. But that wasn't as easy as it looked in the box score. Pro-Am Moto One saw Aaron Salinas outduel Dane Molander for an unforgettable win. It was one of the you know best motos I feel like we saw of the of the year so far, especially in that class. And then in the early stages of Moto Two, roles were reversed. It was going to be really fun to see what happened because Dane Molander led Aaron Salinas, who was shadowing him, so it was absolutely perfectly inverse of that first moto, but then Aaron Salinas suffers a crash and that would change the landscape of everything and allow Dane to cruise in for that W there. Um, but you know, Aaron is actually lucky that the pro-am point structure or whatever is amateur scoring because his 110 moto scores still earned him fourth overall. So luckily, like, you know, he's facing a bigger deficit than he would like up to nine points here, but it's still, within shouting distance ish. He still has a, has a chance going into, uh, into the weekend there. And then Joe chambers came in second this weekend, but he still finds himself 13 back of the lead here. So shout out, uh, to him, shout out to Tino Abitiello for his first podium of his pro-am career, but yeah, Casey, awesome. I guess I gave you the whole synopsis there, but awesome racing we saw in pro-am and yeah, now Dane Molander, he's in the driver's seat squarely in the driver's seat going into Loretta's with that nine point lead. Yeah. I think you, uh, 
summed up everything I have written down for my pro-am notes here. <laughs> like you just kind of, that's exactly what, you know, it's a nine point gap. I mean, Dane come through clutch, um, gutted for Aaron in that sense. I mean, both those guys really are shining at the right time, I would say. And this pro-am battle was tight. I mean, it, it's real tight. And um, I'm glad Aaron's okay. I, I watched his crash. You know, I, I really didn't get to see it say because like they were kind of shadowed by the edge of the track and some and some you know fans that were standing there but i seen him get tossed and roll and flip and stuff and i could tell he was a little slow getting up and i talked to him after and uh just gutted for him in that sense i this is a cool battle to watch it's good for the sport and uh both these guys deserve you know, moto wins and, and race wins and championship in this class. They're, they're both kind of set themselves into that. You know, we've lost a couple guys throughout the season that were up there and, and could battle. Um, I think Chambers is still battling an injury. I've seen him on Saturday. He podiumed on Saturday and he was pushing his quad up and, you know, kind of favoring his hand. So um, you still got to give that guy a lot of credit. He's got a lot of, a lot of grit in Chambers and, and putting himself in the positions that he has. And I think he's um, still an active member in both championships at the moment. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, in that second moto in pro-am, he came from a long way back to, to finish second in second overall. So, so credit to him, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's a heartbreaker. I'm gutted for Aaron because if he was able to get by Dane, he was going to be the points leader by a single point going into the finale. And and even if he would have finished second and Dane would have got the, got the overall win there, um, Aaron was going to be within five. And that, that obviously is a, is a little easier to overcome than a nine point gap. Than so, nine. Yeah, exactly. So um, lots of ask there going into the finale, but I think that it's worth noting. We saw some awesome racing in those classes. I think both Dane and Aaron are going to be uh, future stars in, in the pro class as we look forward here. So this is one thing I'll ask you while I have you, I didn't have it in my notes here, but we got some listener questions on the last episode that I included asking which of those guys are going to go pro next year. Do you have any insight into that at all? Uh, in all honesty, I think it's still both. I think it's up in the air for both of them. Okay. Um, I haven't even really, it's been a question all year with Dane we've been talking about it and it's like literally Monday he's doing pro Tuesday. He's going to stay down and do pro sport and pro am again. It's, it's a day by day. There was, there was some talk of Aaron actually going pro this year and because of his school schedule and stuff like that, trying to get back for school and different things. So I think there's a likely chance that they both go up. And I think there's a likely chance that they both stay down and I, I don't have any factual information. I will do some digging and see if I can get some maybe more solid answers so we could, I could answer that question a little bit more educated. Well, we're kind of in that pocket right now where everybody tries to be secretive with that kind of thing. And like, like you said, I mean, it's not always a, it's not always a decisive, yes, we're going pro next year kind of thing. That's a, it's a big jump to make. And I remember, I think you told me at the beginning of the year, you're like, is, is Aaron on the, on the list? Is he going to go pro? And, and um, so I was anxiously waiting to see if that would happen and it didn't, but I think that that, I think that that was the right decision for Aaron because he stepped up in a major way from last season to this season and down the stretch here, he was the hottest rider. I mean, he's was awesome on the show. And since then, 
I think he was the hottest one of them all as he kind of shrunk the gap in that class and got it down to two points going into the red, but so red, but didn't go the way that he wanted, but he's been slaying it. And man, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I haven't talked to you about it, but he, Aaron Salinas might be the rider that just without any numbers, without looking at any info, just kind of off the top of my head stands out to me as our rising star award winner maybe he's the favorite for that as as we look to gift that to somebody or award somebody that here at the end of the year we had jj launderville two years ago it was dane molander last year it's almost like aaron stands out to me more than anybody just because of the jump he made from last year to this year yeah for sure and i think um i was gonna say kind of be tight between him and dane really but i i did forget that dane got it last year so yeah i think aaron's definitely a good candidate for that I think um, Chambers, in all honesty, I mean, he's a good candidate or a possibility yep. there for, yep. you know, some thinking on you. I mean, obviously late in this season and and looking at results and points-wise, Aaron sitting second in both of those pro sport and pro-am championships. And I think another candidate, if he didn't end up hurt, the jump that uh, Blair Miller made this year would have oh, been yeah. a good candidate. So maybe we see, you know, these guys. I, I, I think Chambers is going to stay pro sport pro am all right that's zoom in a sense i would think and so. then i know i know blair's going to come back next year pro sport pro am so those guys might be good candidates for that next year but yeah i think aaron's definitely your top pick in that sense I gl- i'm glad that you mentioned blair too because i thought about him this last week a lot um and and leading up to red Bud as well but how you know we see how fast this class is and he was kind of the guy taking charge at the beginning of the year you know so um, to think about a class with him back in there. I almost, I mean, obviously we wish he wouldn't have been hurt, but it would have sure been a lot of fun to watch with him dicing it up with these guys as well down the stretch here with this, this championship hanging in the balance. Oh yeah. I think, um, it, it, we'd have some serious stuff going on right now. I mean, we already do, we already got such a, a deep field in the pro sport and pro-am classes and Blair was just adding to that and adding, um, the Blair flavor that Blair brings to the table is, <laughs> is always exciting. And, you know, right. his podium speeches are always fun to hear and it's good. I mean, you know, kind of going towards like pro sport in a sense, or not to completely jump off of the pro-am program, but no, you're you good. know, Brett, Brett having his worst result of the year. Um, no, no shot to his own in that sense. I think it was mechanical, both motos uh, for him but a 15th isn't, isn't what we see when you see Brett's kind of been the pitcher of consistency in that pro sport class. And that's why he has a 21 point lead, but um, Aaron kind of racking off a couple of wins late in the season here is really solidified himself there. And then, you know, JJ Launderville first year in pro sport, you know, and, and putting himself in a good position. And, and really, I mean, for JJ, it's almost his first year on a 450. We, obviously he rode 450 last year, but he got hurt fairly early in the season. And to come back this year, you know, he's third in points there and um, he's leading pro uh, production A by four points and he's leading uh, 450A by 29 points. So I think, you know, for him, it's it's huge. And I, I think um, another notable spot here and not to just completely jump all over the place, but uh, Peyton Lingle um, sort of coming out of retirement or whatever you want to call it to I mean, really being impressive. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Obviously he's been killing it. And when you're racing each weekend, he's going up against a guy like JJ Launderville, who's on the, this major upswing as a you know future star of the sport. Um, yeah, tall order, tall task for him to overcome racing with JJ Launderville there. And he's been, he's been killing it. So he's been a great addition back to, uh, back to the series um shout out to ssi decals who he works for which that's awesome to see him he just eats sleeps and breathes atv motocross i'm sure he was working at ssi and wasn't able to get away from atv so he decided to you know get some quads or get his quads back together however that worked out and go back racing which is awesome um i think that that's something that so many of us can relate with uh and you know just we're we're bit by the bug and can't get away from this thing but yeah casey that was a, a perfect transition there kind of um away from you know our top amateur classes to the rest of them so do you have anybody else casey that you want to shout out or anybody else that stood out to you in our amateur classes at red bud you already touched on Brett Musigs who didn't have the weekend that he wanted, but I believe that his, uh, his father told me that, you know, he did already have that pro sport title wrapped up. Obviously he already had 25 plus wrapped up. I think I said earlier, I think that he's the hottest non-pro in the sport right now. He could easily, you know, if he just kept that riding, he could put himself clearly, you know, somewhere up inside tier three or whatever in the pro class without any issue. Um, so yeah, it's been awesome to see him, you know, kind of back, uh, back full swing in this ATV motocross thing. And then there's a lot of other guys that had good weekends and have good seasons so far as well. So do you have anybody else that stood out to you, uh, that you want to shout out from Redbud? I think this one's uh, notable and I think it's going to hit home for you. And I think just by saying that you're already going to know who I'm talking about, but uh, it was uh -huh. awesome to see uh, Sky Volcomer back out there. Um, hadn't seen him in a long time. I still have a concrete rock in my front yard from uh -huh. his dad and him from years I have, ago. I, that you... I have one sitting like four feet from me at the, at my, the, the foot of my desk right here. So yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, these guys and you, you and your dad are the ones that kind of organized that for them to make me that rock has my last name on it. And, um, if they listen or if they're listening, like I still got it, it's literally sitting in my front yard right now. It's probably due for a paint job. It's probably been five, six years now that <laughs> I've had it, but it's, uh, it's still holding strong. Um, but really I, the one thing I do want to touch on is the 250 classes and I'm not going to go through, I have a lot of notes written down, but I know we're going long. But something that I'm going to try to bring up in the medium this year is I want to try to figure out a way to showcase these classes or one of these classes even, you know, before the pros or after the pros or whatever and kind of do, yes, it's going to make the program a little bit longer. Yes, they're going to have to ride two of their motos in one day, whatever it is. But I think every one of those riders, they are insane. Those classes, I mean, I have like top three written down, but it's not just top three. It's so deep in those classes right now. And I watched pretty much every one of those motos this weekend. Okay. And none of them were boring. Every one of them was just like a freaking all out war and battle to the last, you know, last couple laps in, in the entire time. So to me, I think if we took, say, Youth All-Star, just because it's got a cool name. Mm-hmm. And we put it right before the pros or right after the pros. And we do some sort of, you know, we kind of announce maybe the top 10 or the top five riders in it and do a parade lap or something mild like that. I think it would be awesome to showcase some of that. I mean, I obviously pro-am is sort of our 250 class. Yep. And, you know, if we're, if we're basing off a of pro motocross, it's a dirt bike. yeah. Yep. But I still think these kids, 
they are putting it on the line and they're going so fast. It's incredible. Well, and, and the thing that's worth mentioning there is year after year now, this has become a very normal thing where you have these top 250 riders and they're able to, to basically like get into the 450 classes and do very well, whether it be in the A class or pro sport or whatever, very quickly. So I do think that's a great idea. Cause I think that that's important to me. That's something that we've kind of preached about on these shows is we want our listeners and we want fans of the sport to know these riders before they go pro, right? Like we want some cheering interest before they go pro or even the pro am. So I feel like that, that fits totally in line with kind of what we're all about here on, on the show here. Yeah. And I've had this bill for a long time and, you know, over the years and I want to like showcase them and like, let's build, you know, let's build their confidence even more. Let's no, give them notoriety. I, I think it's going to be awesome. And uh, I'm going to push for it. If it happens, I have no idea, but I'm going to shoot for it for sure. And I think all, I know at least everyone that's in the classes are going to, are going to stand behind me on it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear what happens there at the meeting. So that'll be awesome looking to the future. And one person I do have to mention here before we get uh, out of here is Kinsey Osborne. So we heard about her yeah. when she came on the last show or, or last, um, last race review show anyway. And she talked about moving up to the B class here at Redbud. And she freaking slayed it. So we saw her do this at Briarcliff, but to do it at Redbud on the conditions that Redbud is on a track that isn't owned by her family. And she goes out in the first moto and I believe she got second in her qualifier. And then she got fourth or fifth in, in the second moto. I believe she got fourth Casey's telling me I didn't have the, the info right in front of me. All I knew is she slayed it. People were talking about it all weekend long and people coming up to me and talking, you know, saying how freaking Kinsey Osborne, how she was slaying it in the B class on the roughest track of the year and all these things, dude, she is incredible. Not only is she awesome on the show, she has completely come out of her shell since we had her on at Daytona. And now we had her on, you know, in the last couple of weeks, but man, to think about what she could be capable of. She's a 16 year old going to be junior in high school. And this is what she's doing. She's going to be the Angela Moore or, or maybe even better. Like it's, it's wild to think of what she could be capable of looking to the future here. I don't want to yeah, race her. I think Casey, I, Casey, I don't want to race her. <laughs> there you go. Me either. That's why. I do this stuff. <laughs> but I, I think at one point she was in position or was very close to almost winning overall and looking at the results right now, uh, Tristan Cheney, he went four one and she went two four Okay. Which I mean, really, you know, it ended up putting her fourth overall, but I mean, she was right there and she really could have done it. And I mean, her lap times were good. She, she really was in a position that she might've almost gotten overall there. So uh, hopefully she does it at Loretta's and continues to build on that and, yeah. and pushes herself to that position to where she can, you know, continue to do more and more say in that sense and, and race that. And I, I think um, at some point we see her move up into the A class. We've seen Andrea is in the A class now and, mm -hmm. and she does very well too. So, you know, those two are very close in speed and they, they battle all the time. So yeah, looking at, you know, results here first, her first moto, I mean, her lap times were right on par with Tom's. So, you know, good for her. And I, I think, um, it's definitely, a, it, it's cool. I mean, Kinsey's obviously, you, like you said, it's come out, she's come out of her shell. I've grown to, um, I consider 
you know, her dad, Jeremy, to be a good friend of mine now. We talk often and, you know, it, it's really cool. And I think it's going to continue to do great things for the sport. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, okay, so we touched on the Rising Star Award. This is something we have not talked about at all. I didn't even prompt you on it. We give out one other award. It's most improved pro. Um, few options. I would think, I mean, Joel Hattrick isn't going to win the award, but you know, he's improved this year. <laughs> Jeff, Jeffrey, Re- fair. <laughs> Jeff, Jeffrey Restrelli was a guy that got mentioned a ton last year. He took mm-hmm. another jump this year. I think, you know, three podiums. Um, he's another guy that I would say is in the list of guys who, you know, could be up for the award. I think Michael Allred was very much in the conversation. He would be one of the two favorites for the award. I think prior to his injury, um, he was absolutely killing it when he went out of the series. So credit to him. Uh, I can't say enough about him, but who ended up getting it last year? Cody Ford. Wesley. Cody Cody got it last year. Okay. Cody Ford, yeah. we broke down the numbers. There was a big debate there. They, we broke down the numbers. He improved numerically the best. Wesley absolutely killed it as well. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I haven't broken down any numbers. haven't done anything like that. But I would have to think that Brandon Hogue is the slam dunk, easy pick. I think I just named all the guys that would even be in contention for it. And I think Brandon Hogue is going to end up being, when the dust settles at Loretta's, and we break down the numbers, I would think that Brandon Hogue is going to be the odds on favorite and the absolute slam dunk pick, because I think the eye test tells us that nobody improved more this year than Brandon Hogue did. I mean, he's shadowing the top two at some of these races. He podiumed three of four, um, man, he's, he's grabbed another gear on this music racing and repair team. I know that they have every intention. They are bringing him back for next year. So stability in his program is going to be a great thing for him. And I think that he's definitely going to be the digging deep, most improved pro award winner, I would think would be, would be Brandon Hogue. Yeah. Looking at, I mean, looking at it right now, points wise, he was six last year and he's in third right now. So, I mean, I I think that's going to be one of those and, and, and overall, I mean, his riding's better this year and he's, he's putting it down. So I think Brandon is a great candidate for that, but I think we're not supposed to spill the beans early, are we? <laughs> no, I mean, supposed to be a could, surprise. Things, things could happen at the last race, but uh, but yeah, I, I, as I looked at the the stuff here, and again, Michael Allred would have been he would be the the closest competitor. I would think. I would like to see, and I will break this down at some point to see where you know Mike say he raced six races or however many races he raced this year. I would like to know how many points better he was these races he raced last year versus like the six races he raced, you know, last year or whatever, just to make it an even evaluation. So we'll break that all down. No, no cats out of the bag there, but it's going to be hard to, to bet against Brandon Hogue. Uh, last question for you, Casey, before we get out of here. So Joel Hetrick has a 28 point lead. He's likely, you know, he's likely going to get the title next week. Could very well, you know, very easily do it in the first moto. Um, Brandon Hogue is plus 10 points over the rest of the field in the battle for third. Uh, so obviously he's in the driver's seat for the top three spot and Dane Molander is plus nine in the chase for the pro-am title. So do all three of those storylines go according to plan? Does, does Joel win the title? Hogue finish third in the championship and Dane win the pro-am national championship. Does all things go according to plan or, you know, does maybe one of the three not happen 
and that breaks it up. So tell me, is it likely that they're all going to happen or are we going to see some change here? Because I was not going to go down this list, Casey, and be like, well, is Joel going to win the title? Is you know Hogan going to be top, top three? Wasn't going to do that. But do you think odds are, are all three of those things going to happen? Are, is, is that how you see it going down at Loretta's next week? In, in the boring answer, you know, there's a good possibility it goes that way. But I, I personally think maybe one of those things could change. Oh, shit. And I'm not, I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> okay. But um, I, I think we got to have that option there just because I think if you just say, yeah, guaranteed it's all locked, then mm-hmm. something's going to go awry. So I think you just go with there's an option that maybe one thing changes and we just ride that wave. I mean, it's a, that's a tough spot to be in. I mean, there's a lot riding on all of that for every one of those guys. And um, I think that's the excitement of racing, obviously. And that's the excitement of all the different battles and all the craziness that we have going into Loretta's. I mean, obviously, Joel's in a pretty dang good position. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I think um, we're going to be able to pat him on the back fairly early on Saturday of uh, <laughs> next weekend. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm, I'm always hesitant. I don't speak in decisives, uh, especially or definitives, I should say, especially because I don't want to jinx any of these guys. Um, but that's exactly thing, where I'm at. Right. But, but, <laughs> Just... but crazy things always seem to happen at Loretta's. It never goes for sure according to plan. So we'll, we'll see how it all goes down. And one thing to track. So I've been watching the dirt bike stuff this week and, you know, I wanted to see what the infrastructure looked like, you know, it looks just like the red as the track looks the same. The infrastructure looks the same. Everything looks the same after the devastation of last year, but people continue to say that it seems more hard packed than years past slipperier for the bikes than years past. So that's going to be one thing to track. I wouldn't be opposed to maybe a little blue groove out there uh, this year. Cause that's something we typically don't see at Loretta's anymore. Typically it's pretty darn rough, but we might see a little hard packed, a little more hard packed than we're used to. That might be a thing just based on what the guys are saying on the dirt bike coverage these last couple of days. So we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched any of the live, live coverage. I've been checking the results and obviously seen some reels and different stuff on social medias. But um, I, Loretta's don't get credit for how rough it actually is. <laughs> I, I truly don't think a lot of people, excuse me, ever give it the credit that it deserves with how rough it really gets there. But um, yeah, I mean, a couple hardback corners and stuff makes for good passing. I'm all in. Yeah, I'd love that. But man, the short shoot or whatever they call that straightaway before the Ten Commandments is like is like the roughest straightaway on the circuit. I swear. Yeah, it's brutal. So it, it'll be good, and I mean, hopefully we get good weather. I mean, Redbud, I I don't think we could have had any better of weather. Honestly, for you know, and and I talk not to go completely into it, but I talked to a customer of mine. He's like has some farm equipment and stuff, and has a side-by-side that has suspension on it. And we were talking and he knows nothing about this stuff. I was like, Oh, I'll be in Michigan this weekend. And, but our story, the, the reason we're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, it's done nothing but rain in my house shop everywhere. It's just rained, rained, rained. It just seems like every day it's rained. And he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, the farmers are pissed, but I love it. We haven't gotten any rain at all. And I'm like, well, we're coming to town, so we're probably going to get some rain. And it, the weather was just absolutely beautiful. So hopefully that yeah. trend continues. We go to Loretta's and we don't just have a freaking swamp all week. And we can really enjoy that. And I know a lot of people use the majority of their vacation time to be down there. So uh, looking forward to that. 
unfortunately I won't have the family with me this year. Oh, uh, I was I was looking forward to it all year. It's just kind of not in the cards for me right now. Um, it's a it's a huge financial undertaking to mm-hmm. um, rent a cabin and do all that kind of stuff. So we we have some stuff planned. My off season this year is probably going to be one of the craziest. Um, we're going to go spend some time with my grandmother after Loretta's. And so that's kind of taken the precedence of, of us coming to Loretta's Got and it. then obviously go to uh, the Czech Republic for quad across the nations. And then uh, my boy, Timmy D Tim Detlin TDR, he's getting married in December. So I'm going to, we're going to make the trek down to Cancun and, and nice. go enjoy a week with no kids, just me and the wife. So, um, kind of put a hamper on our little mini vacation that we do at Loretta's, but um, I'll still be there and uh, we'll be ready to rock and roll. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think that uh, asking for no rain at Loretta's is uh, answer. Uh, you know, that's a result you're never going to get, but uh, hope that it's not a washout for the <laughs> entire time is, is hopefully how it's going to go. So uh, for Casey Greek, I'm Cody Jansen. This is our red bud coverage on the digging deep ATMX podcast. Casey, thanks for all you do for us and all that you bring to the show. And uh, that's a wrap for our red bud coverage with Casey Greek brought to you by blenders. Eyewear. use discount code digging deep 20 at blenderseyewear.com. Thanks again, Casey, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for having me, Cody. We'll see you next week. See you, pal. Thanks. That was so much fun. From Redbud 2022 back to 2007 and reliving it just like it was yesterday from the U.S. to the Czech Republic. What a freaking episode. And can you believe when we talk next, the ATB motocross season will have come to an end. What a wild thought. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to all of our donors. You know who you are. We appreciate you so much. Thanks to all of our partners. CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. SSI decals, DID racing chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymar Financial Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Integrative Financial Concepts, Binkies Forever ATC Museum, Blenzol Oil, the official oil choice of Digging Deep, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, Walsh Racecraft, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find it all on our website and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including our new Legends Never Die tees. We saw a bunch of them at the races last weekend. They are available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out. This new merch drop is so rad. And we'll have them at Loretta's with us as well. So come see us. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee buttons. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. You can always give us a call on our voicemail line, give us your reaction to the show, the races, and or everything in between so we can play them on the show and react to what you have to say. That number is 920-569-3519. We want to hear from you, so give us a call. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content coverage and more fun stuff as the 2022 season hits its climax. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links, and discount codes, our new show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out 
today. And shout out to our one and only ATV Fantasy winner from Redbud, Ed Hayden. He absolutely slayed it with the perfect squad of Chad Weenan, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Logan Stanfield, and Cesar Jimenez. So congrats to him. Be a friend, tell a friend. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Chad Weenan, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Casey Greek, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to and making us the number one podcast in ATV racing with over 168,500 downloads last month in 90 plus total countries. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. See you at the ranch. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quadlers are freaking gnarly.